This is the Movie Hall of Fame year in review. 2022 has come to a close, and there he is across the table from me, my trusty sidekick in uh, all this movie nonsense. It's Adam Hall. Hello. This is it. Yeah. It's our favorite show of the year. I guess so, yeah. The 2022 year in review, our top 10 lists. Yeah. Uh, how you feeling, man? It's it's. I'm I'm a little exhausted. It's also the 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 episode where we we reveal how indulgent we've been, mm. how big of junkies we are, mm-hmm. how many movies we have seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, we bicker. We bicker. A little few arguments, maybe. maybe not not always. Sometimes we high five. Yeah, sure, sure. We 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 um we match. We might match here. Mm-hmm. It's possible. There's a few entries here where we could. Um. Sometimes we differ greatly. Yes. I, I would say, generally speaking, our top tens are quite different. Mm. Yeah. I remember that being the case last year because I had just seen all sorts of shit mm. <laughs> and all sorts of weird things from all over the planet. I went to fucking Antarctica and found films, for God's sake. Yeah. <laughs> it's a big movie scene. It's a sprawling... It's like Austin, Texas, man. It's just... <laughs> All the new money is moving there, and there's there are just a, a ton of like faux restaurants. All this untapped ice, it's perfect. Yeah, it's it's, just, yeah. It, yeah, big big movie scene going. <laughs> yeah, uh, how you feeling about 2022? Uh, are we are we happy with the year as a whole? Yes, I'm Re- very happy. I am I am kind of quite ecstatic. As a matter of fact, like I thought last year was actually quite good. Yeah, um, I didn't love everything that the Oscars did, but it was still like a really cool movie year. You're probably not going to love everything the Oscars did this year either. Mm, yeah, I'm kind of, the the writing's on the wall. That's little concern. Yeah, little concerned. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say not a great year. I mean, the Oscar nominees aren't out yet, but. You can sort of read the tea leaves and and look at the minor award shows that have already given out nominations mm-hmm. and awards and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I, I would say as a whole, it's been a it's been a pretty good year for blockbusters. Very good year for blockbusters. It's been yeah. a pretty good year for like mid budget adult movies, uh-huh. although not necessarily at the box office. Um, but like the prestige upper echelon kind of November December awards baity releases. I think I've have left a little bit to be desired, which is interesting. And this is part of what I wanted to talk about because I came into the year, you know, knowing what was coming out and pretty feeling pretty confident about the movies that would make my top ten. And oh my god, like almost none of them did. Completely agree. It's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, not to say that my top ten isn't great because I do think my top twenty is like just one great film after the other. There I love are, my top twenty. Th- there are so yeah. many like great films that came out this year, but ironically, the Ones I would have predicted at the start. Yeah, like not many of them are there with the exception of uh, one, really. Mm. Yeah, that's a, that's about it. Everything else is, was kind of a surprise to me, which is cool. I don't I'm, I'm, I'm not complaining, but like it's been a long time since this has happened. Yes. You know what? I also realized going through this, the majority of the movies on my list I saw in a theater. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I, I love all of these movies and I think they would have played well at home. But there was something about, I think, seeing it. In person, where I can't press pause, where I can't check the fantasy football scores, where, you know, I have to just give the movie its undivided attention. <laughs> well, that was part of my issue when we when we were talking about Dune last year. You're like, I, I got up five times. I'm yeah, like, I, I couldn't well, do it. Like, like, well, <laughs> it was well, a mini series like, for me. Yeah. What the fuck am I talking to you about this for? <laughs> yeah. So I think, like, you know, having me as a captive audience definitely helped the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, some of them worked well on a small screen, too. But this was the year that that theaters punch yeah, back. You exactly. Know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, 
so yeah, I am I'm super pumped, super excited to do this. Yeah, me too. I'm happy we're on the same page here. Yeah, it's cool. We're we're in a good we're in a good place. Yeah. Having said, how many movies did you see this year? Okay, we were talking about this ahead of time, <laughs> and I don't know. I feel inadequate. You've actually made me feel inadequate. I've gotten soft in my old age. I've only watched seventy movies. Only seventy movies. There are only yeah, 70. listen to you. Oh, I only saw seventy <laughs> movies that year. Like every, <laughs> I can hear the groan of the listeners <laughs> as you say exactly. that. Exactly. How the hell did you have the time? And the answer is, I didn't have the time. I I ignored parts of my life to do this. Yeah. Oh boy. I saw seventy. I feel like you're gonna outdo me, and uh, <laughs> that makes me upset. Yeah, as get, you know, because I love asserting my dominance over you I, on this podcast. I, I know, but like, I, get ready until you hear my number. Okay, what is it? <laughs> Drum roll, please. Well, it's kind of sad. I saw 101 movies. Wow, 101 movies. Round of applause for Adam Hall. <laughs> <laughs> You got to triple digits. I did. Wow. And one oh one plus one. Plus one. Plus one, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm proud of you. Mm. How do you feel? Like shit. <laughs> <laughs> not not a fun experience. So you just explored every crevice of this industry. Oh yeah. Like so some some parts were great. Don't yeah, get me wrong. Left like, no so, stone unturned. Uh but then by by the end of it I was just this this old man with typhus and it was Yeah. <laughs> It was, I'd, I'd been on a journey, man. And it's not like we're critics, by the way. It's no. not like we don't have day jobs or whatever. Some of these critics are out here and they're going to festivals and they're no, they're sh- cramming movies because it's what they do for a living. We're just doing this as a hobby. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I lost some sleep. I stayed up quite late on occasion. <laughs> I saw some dog shit. Yeah. I saw some great movies. Yeah. I, I had the good fortune of having an, uh, a nice little theater close to my, to my, to my town that plays plays played a few movies that I really wanted to see so it was nice and convenient. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, was, there were a number of movies I just didn't have access to. Yeah, yeah. I, I wrote actually down a list. I don't know if you saw any of these, but uh Saint-Omer, All the Beauty and the Bloodshed, No Bears, Return to Soul, EO, Women Talking and White Noise. I did not have access to. Did you see any of those? Nope. Yeah, so uh, there are a number of movies still to be seen yeah, before Oscar season. So you really, I mean, I can only imagine what you got in there. Oh my God. Well, you want me to go, because it's been uh, like two weeks since we Well, here's what I want to do first before we, before we do any ranking. I want to know the bottom five. The bottom five? Yes. Okay. This is always fun. I want to know the five worst movies you saw this year. (laughs) (laughs) This is kind of funny. Oh boy. Let me go bottom eight. Okay. Yeah. Because it's funnier. Okay. Bottom eight. So 94. (laughs) Uh, Thor, Love and Thunder. Also in my bottom five. Yeah, yeah fuck yeah. Uh, just a movie that makes no sense no. totally. <laughs> and Taika Waititi uh, needs to go back to like director boot camp or something. Yeah, like like his his attempts at humor have kind of gone way out of control. Yes. It felt dated. Like there's something about that humor that's like we're we're done with this, yes, aren't we? Right. We don't need that. We don't need this. We don't want it anymore. What? Why are we still here? Yep. Uh, Not I, a single part of that movie is to be taken seriously. The no. the effects are quite bad. Uh, gaudy and vomit-inducing. Yes, the, I, the I CGI I, floating heads, the children like talking to Thor from that other dimension or whatever. Or it's so cringe. I mean, some of the worst CGI I've ever seen in a movie. I threw up a couple times. Yeah, 
yeah into into my my critic's hat sure it was, it was quite upsetting it was, it was yeah, you, uh, you pulled the triangle of sadness <laughs> did you see that uh no i did not oh boy okay. I, I gave it a skip you warned me off of it yeah we'll talk i guess um yeah no not a convincing effect shot in that entire thing how about the uh, i guess what is ostensibly the garden of eden at the beginning of the oh my god <laughs> holy shit that just looks so awful the yeah. movie is so tacky looking <laughs> it's like like <laughs> cgi 80s gobbledygook i was yeah uh oh my god quite bad oh my god terrible so so bad all right well uh f- uh below that is a film called hellbender which some people in like 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 you know people who love little indie films people in our corner seem to really like it i just i tried and i just thought it was really terrible hellbender I, yeah i i talked about this earlier it's 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 a movie that was made by, on an incredibly small budget made by a family and i guess in I don't know. In that context, it's it's somewhat impressive it's like that this this niche little family, a, a, a you know, a, fa- a father, a mother, and a daughter, just said, "Hey, let's make a little movie." In that sense, it's okay. But like, I and I said this when I when I told you that I that I had seen it a while back. Like, it, they, they what they made was like an early two thousands horror movie mm-hmm. with just a horrible script and horrible dialogue and this kind of weird like like like. It's like alternative rock score that is so distracting and so dated, and huh. I just didn't know what they were thinking. Or is it like counting crows in there and shit? Like, what, <laughs> what do you mean? Like, it's like some of the, the scores sounded like some something. Nickelback, some like Breaking Benjamin and shit like okay. that. I was just like, what? What is this? Like, not, not nothing against Breaking Benjamin, but it doesn't belong in a movie like this. Okay. I'm sorry, All you right. know, or like, or like the score to like like Freddy versus Jason. I'm like, come on, guys, oh, okay. like we're way past this, aren't we? Uh-huh. Like it was dated when it came out, let alone in 2022. <laughs> okay. Uh, just, I, I, I was, I'm not going to be mean. I don't hate the movie just be, because again, it, it, there's something in Seems like you hate it more than Thor, no, Love and Thunder. I, no, that's, it, it's, it's technically worse. Okay. It's technically much worse. That's the problem. I couldn't, I couldn't in good conscience put it above Thor, Love, Love and Thunder. It's like, ugh, that's the thing. Yeah. It's just not a good movie, but, um, uh, it's not as bad as the invitation. Which oh, was so bad. Yeah, I didn't get around to that. <laughs> That's the next one below. Yeah. Oh, oh my god. Oh my god. The movie was dog shit now that's natalie is or natalie emmanuel is the from game of thrones from season eight right and from the fast and furious movies oh that's what she's from yeah she's she's not good in the movie it's like uh she's quite fetching though oh she is she is quite fetching and so i can't imagine hating the movie that much uh well she's on screen for a lot of it she has sex with dracula so that's cool sweet sweet but it's like Dracula feels like someone from like Bridgerton, you know. Sure. So that's not a good sign. <laughs> yeah. The aesthetic, it's sexy Dracula. The the oh God, the aesthetic for a, for a fucking vampire movie. <laughs> I hated it so much. Uh-huh. It, it like everything looked like a Lego set. It was so dumb. Okay. Uh, it just just a ridiculous, stupid, stupid movie. Terrible, terrible script. The not a single like great performance in it. Uh, a lamest shit ending. Not scary. Not fun. Not really violent enough mm. not 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 weird or provocative enough for a vampire movie too and i've seen like action vampire movies that are fine but this was this was just boring mm. doesn't do, do anything interesting with the mythology and uh yeah just just a slog i, I didn't like it at all mm. stupid movie okay and below that it is uh of course <laughs> our favorite resurrection <laughs> 
our mutual favorite. That Resurrection's not that bad. Resurrection's movie. better than Thor: Love and Thunder, though. I no, mean, it's not. On. No, it is not. That movie's ass. That movie has no idea what it wants to be. It's a terrible, terrible excuse for a movie that's oh, geez. brutally you're confused. Now you're being a little harsh. No, I am not. It's got a good Rebecca Hall performance, a good Tim Roth performance. They I think feel there like are they're good in, scenes in it. They feel like they're in different movies, though. I don't know what's going on, or I don't know why the movie is as dramatic as it is. It's like one of the things I talked about when when I first saw it, and we were talking about it with like Jabril and whatnot, was that it's a movie that is insistent on being more dramatic than it actually is because the conflict is actually. It's just very strange and minimal and nothing happens in the movie, but the movie is constantly telling you like, no, the world is basically ending. Listen to us, people. Yeah. And that's just not what's going on. Like but the the the, the there's like this cognitive dissonance with like the, the, the visual experience and the script. And it's just really frustrating. And it just makes for this very like pretentious experience, too. And I just found myself like checking out every scene. I hated like the long monologue where she was talking about why. Uh, her husband did what he did and why she's scared of him and stuff like that. Right. And I was just kind of like, like, you haven't really earned this moment movie. <laughs> mm. Like, this could have been a great scene, but I don't buy it. I don't mm. I don't believe that we're here now. Like, like uh, and also like what you're talking about is kind of ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then that ending is even more ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I'd I like the ending. It's a f- I do. Uh, I like it. Oh my lord! I, I I'm happy the movie had the balls to do it. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, and yeah, I think it added kind of a dimension of weirdness and, <laughs> and like horror camp that I, I appreciated out of a is movie that is kind of one note for most it is, of it. You yeah, know? but that, it doesn't play as campy. Like if you if you describe it to someone, it's campy, but that's right. not really the experience. And that that was, again, more of the frustration. That's like if, if you're going to be this weird, just go for it, man. Please. Yeah, fair enough. Please. Let me ask you a question. Did you end up watching The Eternal Daughter? Yeah. Did you feel the same way about The Eternal Daughter? No, I loved The Eternal Daughter. OK. Yeah, loved it. That's interesting because I thought that you might bump up against it for similar reasons what? because it's a similarly a very understated uh british you know buttoned up kind of pseudo horror movie you know kind of yeah yeah although but, that's kind of a ghost story it's got a supernatural element so it's a little different well directed too and it's got a great relationship <laughs> at its center and it's well written <laughs> well okay that there's too. also all those things <laughs> that too yeah and it's not corny as shit what the hell is the scene where the <laughs> I'm yelling at you in the in the square with my shoes off. How do you like me now, Tim Roth? Oh my god. She's good in the movie. Yeah. Don't make fun of Rebecca Hall. She's good in this. <laughs> She's doing her best with what I think is a terrible character. Yeah. It's just uh, she can't save that script, man. I don't know. It's really bad. I, I I can't for the life of me understand why anyone thought this was a good idea. My number 6 film of the year, Resurrection. No, I'm kidding. Oh, wow. Uh, good for, good for <laughs> uh well, anyway, <laughs> Resurrection. Terrible. 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 <laughs> Terrible! <laughs> Thank you, Rob. Uh, below that is Zemeckis's Pinocchio. Just a piece of shit. I don't even need to talk about it. Just yeah, the the, the sort of the Pinocchio wars kind of ended before they started, huh? There were like there were three Pinocchio films this year, but four, I think. I think there this were, year. I think there were four. I saw an article that was like there have been fifty since the original Disney movie came oh out. Oh my god! What? Every year they're making Pinocchios. So there was the Polly Shore Pinocchio. <laughs> Polly Shore did a Pinocchio. 
Dude. Dude, have you seen the clips? No. Whoa. Whoa, it's so bad. Here. I think Polly Shore is like due for a Brendan Fraser-esque comeback. What do you think? <laughs> or death. Yeah, all the or, or death, I guess. Yeah. Dude, the fight. Look at that, Pinocchio starring Polly fucking Shore. <laughs> Dude, the the movie. I've seen so many clips of this movie. Oh my oh, god! We need to do this, and why is this a thing? We probably should. Should we do Pinocchio month? Pinocchio, a true story. I'm down. Wow. Father, when can I leave to be on my own? <laughs> John Heater is in it. <laughs> Tom Kenny plays Geppetto. He's actually in the Guillermo one too. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, I did not see the Zemeckis Pinocchio. I did see the Guillermo Pinocchio, so and I thought I. Uh, one. Uh, I thought that one was probably better. Uh, yeah, yeah. If did you I make believe- the right choice there? Yes, you, you did. I make- flipped a coin. You, you know? did make the right choice. It was much better. <laughs> Luckily, it, ended up, it landed on tails. It was but, so uh, much better. Yeah. Uh, and then ninety nine was the Adam Project. Uh, just felt like a movie that was um, cooked up by an algorithm. Yeah, those two are just a scourge on the species, and they need to stop. They e- must be stopped. Evil movies. Yeah. Yeah. Below that was White Hot, the Abercrombie and Fitch movie. Just who, who cares? Who cares? And then below that, of course, is Falling for Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Is that your worst movie of the year? Yeah, but whatever. Okay. Worst actual movie of the year? I guess it's the Adam Price. I don't even, it's like, they, they're, that's not a real, they're not real movies. I guess the real mo- realest bad movie of the year to me is probably Resurrection. <laughs> okay. Uh, my bottom five. I guess I'll take Falling for Christmas out as well because that's kind of its own thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, number five, Blonde. <laughs> Where is Blonde for What me? a disappointment. Blonde 91 for me. 91. And you came into this year thing and that's my favorite movie of the year. I was like, fuck yeah, let's Has go. To be, right? Yeah, it looked awesome, but no, it's quite bad. Quite bad. Uh, I have Amsterdam at number four. Wow. A movie that like people have defended. In the last couple of weeks Richard Brody loved that movie Why? I think it's his number six movie of the year I think it's really, really bad <laughs> And it's getting like the worst out of everyone involved Which Damn. is, I think, the greatest sin of them all mm. uh, Thor Love and Thunder, number three uh, Number two, uh, did you end up seeing Vengeance? No The BJ Novak podcaster movie About how people from Texas are just like the rest of us Vomit Vomit. Yeah. It is a piece of dog shit, this movie, that thinks it's so smart and insightful and is going to, like, fix the divisions of this country. Ah. Uh, uh, that's great. Yeah, I mean, just incredibly preachy. Ashton Kutcher is in it as, like, a as a cowboy music producer. Mm. Uh, he ends up being the villain of the movie. Spoiler alert, but not really. Uh, hated it. I mean, made my skin crawl. People liked it, though. People, yeah, that's another one. Kind of, I guess in, in similar vein to Resurrection, people are like, yeah, hey, Resurrection's okay. Yeah, it's movie's a piece of shit. Okay, uh, and then number one, as much as it pains me, oh, it pains me, Adam Hall, to put it here. I just didn't like a thing about Clerks Three. Ooh, I just, wow. uh, it's over. You know, in, in the words of Don Rickles, I'm a friend. It's over. And uh, damn, Kevin Smith, it's over. Yeah, time to move on. Uh, time to. Uh, Make a mini series for IFC or something. Uh, you know, time to take uh, for higher gigs, writing superhero movies, doing punch up work. Uh, it's over. 
the Askewiverse, uh, we, we have squeezed all the lemon out of uh, all the le- lemonade out of that lemon, as, as unfortunate as it is for me to say. That's okay. I, did, I didn't hate Clerks 3, but it's quite low on my I have it at 84. Yeah. It's it was a big big disappointment. Not the worst. I don't think it's the worst movie I've seen this year. But uh, you know, I mean, it's it's heart is too much in the right place. It's like oh, you're trying so hard. He's trying really hard. Uh, you're really trying. It's like a pat on the head, but like it's just it doesn't doesn't work. Not a laugh in the movie. Yeah, not very funny. Mm. Not very funny. Okay, well that's enough of that. All right, let's get let's get to the good stuff now. Okay, shall we? Mm-hmm. Here we go, Adam. Who do you want? Who wants to start? You want to start? You want me to start? Well, I always do my top eleven, so I usually go first. Right, I forgot. Yeah, yeah, because right. I, I like to go one step over. Okay, yeah, because you've seen one hundred and one movies. That's right, exactly. Right. Turn it up to eleven. Turn it up to eleven. <laughs> <laughs> All right, turn it up to eleven, sir. Number eleven movie of the year, according to Adam Hall. It's Good Night, Oppie. When she started getting older and older, Oppie started losing her memory. She would essentially forget all of the science information and all of what she had done before she'd wake up. And around the same time, that opportunity started losing her memory. My grandmother was diagnosed with Alzheimer's. And so when I started seeing opportunities start slipping away too, we had to figure out a way to operate in this new paradigm of her having amnesia. Did not see this. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we're off to a good start. <laughs> good night, Oppie. Yeah, one one zero, Adam. <laughs> uh, good night, Oppie. Yeah, the documentary about the history of uh, the Mars rovers. Uh, Sp- oh yes, I know what this is. Yes, about spirit and opportunity. And my God, what a delightful thing this this documentary was. I just had. Such a wonderful time. It's, the, it's one of the few movies. I think it made me cry. Wow. I, I, you know, it's it's like you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't need necessarily Blade Runner to make me cry. Sometimes these little rolling robots can, you know, and the journey they go through on that shitty red planet, that can. <laughs> That can really do something for me. It's like, wow, I hope you get out of that sand, Oppie. Whatever, just do, do your best. Wait, that's what the movie is? Something. You're following like Wally on Mars? Basically, yeah. Sounds fucking sick. It's fucking sweet, dude. That's awesome. It is fucking and it but but in while they're they're roaming around, the people that actually engineered these things are like, so yeah, we thought the we 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 thought we had we, we were going to hit this rock, and we were sure we were going to lose the rover. But right in the nick of time, it just it, it caught some sand, and it was able to make it out, and it, we didn't lose our rover. And at this point, and we were able to explore that crater, and the stuff we found revealed that there was water on Mars, and it just made our year. And it's that's the whole the whole documentary. That's the whole documentary. Wow. So. <laughs> It sounds like planet Earth almost, except it's the planet Mars, and it's not an animal, but it's a robot. Yeah, it's about the an, <laughs> an odyssey of Mars through the lens of this this really lovable robot. One, ro- well, two really. There's uh, again with Spirit being the you know the you know one of the sisters, the Eva character in this <laughs> romance. Let me, let me tell you something though. They I, I, there's a personality to these <laughs> these fucking robots when Spirit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just hit me. It's like 
we came into this podcast being like best movie year of all time. It's like the fucking seventies are back, and you know, just all the great masters of their craft making movies. And it's like here's a quaint little streaming documentary about a robot on Mars, dude. When when spirit passes away. <laughs> Wow. It is the saddest thing. Unbelievable. When Oppie, pa- oh my God, when Oppie, fa- like, there's a storm that comes and, and, and knocks her out and they try to revive. Oppie is the name that they give the opportunity Opportunity, rover. yes, That's yes. her nickname. Yes, yes. And we've said, we've gendered the robot. Nico, they try to revive her with music. <laughs> it is the best. It's the best. You, you'll you be bawling your eyes out. This is quite a twist. You, you will be bawling your, <laughs> your fucking eyes out. What is happening? It's so good. But it's a true story. That's the thing. It's like, they were, yeah, I know. They were doing this shit. Right. It was great. Oh, I, I, it was the most touching thing. Yeah, pro- probably the most touching movie of the year for me. Wow. Next to, of course, Cannibalism with Timothy Chalamet. Second most touching thing, of course. Right. Uh, but this was, <laughs> this was, oh God, this was just so good. Such a lovely little movie. And I had a wonderful time. Good night, Oppie. Yeah. I need to see this? I would say you do. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really, really sweet movie. I did not see that coming. Mm. Uh, I have no idea where your list is going from here. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. What's your chalky answer? (laughs) Yeah, this is what I was going to say. Like, give it to me. Yeah. I, I feel like my top 10, I, I, I tried, (laughs) like I really tried. You don't know how many oh, no. spots I moved Ambulance up to try to get oh, to the top God. 10. Oh, my God. I tried so hard. I, I got it up to number 13. Okay. I couldn't justify getting it in the top 10, but it got all the way up to number 13. Um, I tried getting weird with it. There's a couple picks on here that are probably not going to appear on the average critics list. Okay. But some of them are just like the consensus best movies of the year, and I apologize. That's fine. My number 10, though, is maybe a little unconventional. It is also a documentary. It's my favorite documentary of the year, as a matter of fact. It's a film called Senior. We had no overt agenda with this project. I had a sense of what it might be, and I knew that part of it was always going to be the end of his life. Is it a father-son story? I don't think so. Is it a story about what it is to be an artist? I don't know, maybe. Is it a contemplation of death? I think it's kind of turning into that, and not in a morose way, but just in a, we're here, we do stuff, and we're gone. And um, I love him for what he did. I love him for what he didn't do. Senior, directed by Chris Smith. Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Downey Sr. are our main subjects. This is a documentary about the life of Robert Downey Jr.'s father, a uh, independent filmmaker in his own right. Uh, the movie kind of doubles as a sort of personal father-son story uh, and a kind of history of 60s and 70s underground New York cinema. Very interesting movie. I loved it. Which I, I actually thought that part was um, really illuminating. This is not um, a director whose work I was familiar with. Um, they show a number of scenes from his movies, and there are these weird, absurdist counterculture comedies mm-hmm. uh, set in a very specific New York City of that era. 
Uh, and it made me want to seek out a lot of his movies, and I think I will. Maybe yeah, at one point we'll do like a Robert Downey Senior uh, podcast. I love, I'd love that because I had a, I had a, uh, a kind of a similar experience with it. Like these movies look like my cup of tea, baby. Yeah, just so so much Adam in this weird shit. Funny enough, uh, my favorite documentary of the year. It's not, it's not Senior, although I loved Senior. Um, it, there's another one that references uh, a Robert Downey Senior film that is my uh, favorite of the year so yeah it, it i think that part if you are just a movie nerd and you want to learn more about the guy and learn more about the era there's stuff in there for you there are you know interviews with guys like alan arkin and norman lear um but then you have the personal stuff and you have um you know robert downey jr kind of contending with his father's impact on his life mm-hmm. and you know, the role that he played in his addiction and his struggles yeah. and how the two of them moved past it. And then, uh, spoiler alert, um, the man does not survive. If you uh, follow the news, you know that Robert Downey Sr. passed away last year and this movie touches on that in a third act that is just fucking remarkable. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the two movies that made me sob this year. Like, yeah. I was an absolute puddle at the end. Uh, I was talking about this with you off air, but, you know, I haven't been to a ton of funerals in my life, but the ones that have annoyed me the most are the ones where you go and they say, oh, welcome to the celebration of life of so and so. Mm -hmm. And you'll read like the little pamphlet and it'll say like, it's not titled the funeral. It will say celebration of life. Yeah. And then you get there and there's a bunch of like old women in black sitting in the front row, just sobbing with handkerchiefs and their sons comforting them. And, uh, you know, that part of funerals has always bothered me. Yeah. Um, I actually wrote about this for a piece that's hopefully going to be on the, the website by the time this podcast comes out. Uh, but every time it's been said to me, I just I I uh, I cringe and I'm like, this is not accurate. This is not a celebration. And the way that this movie deals with death and the way that this movie deals with loss and the absence of a person mm-hmm. and the feelings that their loved ones experience in those moments uh, are truly a celebration. You know, like death is not just one thing. You know, death is not just sadness. Death is not just an open wound. Death is not just mournfulness. It's joy. Sometimes it's uh, celebration. It's regret. It's anger. Uh, You know, there's no one feeling that you feel towards the dead. You know, the dead are, uh, you know, really complicated figures in your life, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, it's easy to have an opinion on someone when they're alive, but when they're dead, it gets a lot more complicated because there's no resolution to it. Um, and uh, this movie does all of that, you know? It's joyful. It's not somber. It's it's uh, it's funny at times. Yeah. Uh, and there's a scene that where Robert Downey Jr. talks to his therapist where he's like, yeah, like, I, I think this is it. I think this is the last time I'm going to see my father. What should I tell him? What should I say? Like, mm, it's a good scene. You know, it's a it's a great scene. And then obviously when they're laying there um, on his deathbed, like it's it's just it, it's remarkable. It doesn't it just, say much in that yeah, scene. Yeah, it just killed me. And then you just cut to the empty bed, and it's uh, it let the waterworks flow. It's really it's amazing. It's an amazing film. Um, Chris Smith has sort of become the the Netflix documentarian. <laughs> Uh, uh, you know, of his era, he did the Jim and Andy, uh, documentary. Oh, he, he did, did the Fire Festival one. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, he did American movie all the way back in in 1999. Uh, but this guy knows how to juggle tone, and mm. he knows how to make you know documentaries that are just a little off center, 
And that's what this movie is to me. I thought it was really remarkable. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I loved it too for all those reasons alone. Yeah. A colorful movie as as you said. Ironically, it's in black and white. Yes. Which is which is <laughs> right. <laughs> but it's true. No, like like there, there's a thousand I mean given the fact that you're covering Robert Downey Sr. and his life and career, it's bound to be very colorful and strange. Uh but it does so, yeah, in a really really human way and you know, it's like you said it's all parts like really, you know, revelatory and sad. It's all it's all you know colors of the rainbow for how like a life is and how a death is you mm-hmm. know? which was really surprising. I think there's a, a line that yeah. Junior says in the movie which is like we're born we do stuff and then we die you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's basically it and and there's something there's something not I mean it I, I think on its surface that might kind of play a cynical and sad or whatever but it, it doesn't play like that in the context of the movie it's kind of like this yeah, well, things end, things move on, and uh, what we do matters. You yeah, know? exactly. Um, so yeah, and also, by the way, just as sort of a side note, reminded me of how much Robert Downey Jr. is missing from the Marvel movies. Because <laughs> I'm watching him, and he has so much charisma, especially when he's with his father. Oh like, my God, yeah. The two of them have this unbelievable chemistry. Mm-hmm. Kindred uh, spirits, those two. <laughs> really, kindred yeah. spirits, and like... He's he's actually a pretty natural storyteller, you know. Yeah. He kind of gets out of the way and lets his father do the talking for the movie. But I did kind of have the same thought. I was like, "Ooh, I wonder what he would have, what he'd be like as a director." I'd love to see him make his make his own movies because he he's got that same kind of like weird wiry energy that kind of makes yeah. like a, like a like a kind of an interesting director. But he's also very good at like in, in the case of this documentary, letting the story tell itself when right. it needs to and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. And and knowing, <laughs> I, love, I love the scenes where he's like, "Why don't you put the camera over there, and I'll sit here." Actually, uh, uh, Dad, you go here. Right, you go here. It's a it's a better picture. And then and then he's like kind of quipping with his dad, and, and they're just talking about like, eh, I'm not, uh, I I don't know if that's really a better image or whatever. <laughs> right, and, and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean the guy just gets it. I mean yeah. he's savvy. Whatever you want to say about his you know latter performances, um, <laughs> but I mean I I don't think it's a mystery why none of the Marvel movies worked for me this year. You know, to the extent that some of those Iron Man movies did. Um, yeah, he's he's excellent in it. It's it's really good. Senior. Yeah. That's yeah. my number 10. Yeah. Loved it, too. Loved it, too. Number. It, that's the funny thing. I loved it. It's number 19. Yeah. And listen, there's going to be movies on your list that appear in that range for me, too. And it's not yeah. necessarily an indictment of the movies at all. It's just there were some I liked more. Yeah, I know. Marcel is another movie I loved. It's number 21. I have that at 12. Yeah. Wow. Look at that. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a movie like. Probably my favorite anime movie of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah, you think so? Yeah. Yeah. Might have been mine. Might have been mine. Couldn't get in there. Yeah, damn. Great movie, though. Yeah. Uh, After that, for me, number 10 is Fire of Love. Alone, they could only dream of volcanoes. Together, they can reach them. They meet on a blind date at a cafe. From here on out, life will only be volcanoes, volcanoes, volcanoes. The Doc. Is this your favorite? No, not my favorite Doc. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking uh, squeeze one in at the last second. Fucking yeah. Ken Burns over here. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> no, just like it's not a movie that like tells like I, I don't look at this story as like you know it's a it's an interesting romance and everything and it's not that like I I watch this movie and I I'm I'm you know dealt new insights on like the complexities of love aside from like love makes you do a lot of crazy strange things out of obsession which we all know and love and that that for me worked as like a nice like framework for the movie to continue i just look at this as just an excuse for some of the most amazing imagery i've ever seen in my life bar 
none. It's remarkable. There's just something about a, a story about people, you know, getting in places that they shouldn't to see the human human achievement just by putting them next to a caldera in the way that they do in this movie. That was actually quite staggering and moving and inspiring. Uh, and terrifying. I, I didn't think inspiring. I thought, what the fuck are you doing? You need to leave. <laughs> Not to say I would ever do what they were yeah, doing. No, I, but... I had anxiety. I mean, oh, the, I, I don't blame the you. The one scene that is sort of featured on the poster of, I guess, both of them at separate times standing in front of the erupting volcano yep. and just the sea of red mm-hmm. that's spewing uh, is... Terrifying. Because like, you don't it's, really get a sense. It, it it's it's shot in the seventies, and I, I don't know what kind of cameras they were using, and some some of the stuffs in the eighties as well. But the depth of field is not that long, so you can't really tell how close they are to the the lava at any given time. No, and so I'm watching it the entire time, being like, are they really like five feet away from this? spewing volcano right now but but then you see but the way it's framed too it's like you're right though but it gives this impression that they're like 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 it gives a great sense of like the immensity of the volcano in a way that's better than just like getting up close with a wide sometimes yeah because like the look of the lava next to them on that long lens is frightening yes it's like wait that that little piece of lava is like this big and it's taking up more than half of these guys bodies right and it's just like this wall of red. Like I, what, what are they doing? What the hell that are they scene doing? Is ridiculous. It's crazy. It's but like, and then they talk in VO and they're like, "This is a friendly volcano." Yeah, that's right. The red volcanoes are friendly. The gray <laughs> volcanoes are the killers. It's like, what are you talking about? It is insane. Like, like again, just, just, I, I, I don't know how else to to, to describe it. It's just like a, a true awe piece. It's like one of the more amazing spectacle pieces I've ever seen. They like get kind of again also sort of covers all spectrums for me for like all, all this incredible range of emotions I felt by just watching these people do what they loved mm-hmm. was so interesting. And that, you know, you know, obviously the, the, the heart of it is that the love is really the, you know, the love for themselves, but the love for this obsession that they have with these volcanoes. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you feel it and you feel this incredible, like you said, incredible sense of anxiety and a rush. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. It's just, I, I, I really couldn't believe what I was watching. Yeah. And it was just amazing that this has existed all this time and I've never seen it before. And right. Honestly, yeah. Are, are they just like, I don't I, know, like, I'm not sure if these things ever aired on like the Discovery Channel sure, yeah. or whatever, like, or if they just appeared in National Geographic or, but like, yeah, this footage, it's, it's the kind of footage where it's like, where has this been all yeah, my life? Yeah. Like while I, I've seen like the Apollo landing, that video millions and millions yeah. of times or whatever, like, why have I never seen this before? I don't like, know. Like, why did I not know the term volcanologist? You know? <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. No, it's crazy. It's really it's, no. I'm not, and I'm not kidding. It is some of the most incredible footage I've ever seen in my life. It yeah. really is. Yeah. Just just for that alone, it was one of the best documentaries I've ever seen. Just by being able to capture those moments, yeah. that it was it, it was enough. Honestly. Yep. Uh, and then you just get some wonderful set pieces too. It sounds weird to say, but like where he goes into the acid lake. Oh my that, god was one of the more insane things to me. Right. They just got that like cheap boat from Walmart or whatever. They, no, but it's just, they, they're making it with the same mindset that like Walter White go like like tells to Jesse where it's like, "Well, you use this plastic, you'll be fine." Right. But there's still something so wrong about that, but it's like, yeah, but it's still like acid and right. the proximity to it feels so frightening. Yeah. And it's like one false move and you're fucked. Yeah, they were stuck out there for like 3, three hours. 3 hours yeah. and they couldn't touch the liquid that's all around them. <laughs> they put a steel wire in the yeah. water right. and it's 
evaporates. <laughs> they take it out. It's like, oh, we lost our line. It just ate through this steel cable. <laughs> They're insane. Yeah. <laughs> it's a deranged movie about deranged human beings. Yeah. But it's also incredible. It is. I mean. It's incredible. Is it worth it? I mean, no, I don't think it is. Um, uh, and should we spoil what happens at the end? No, I actually won't spoil it. Uh, watch the movie and see what happens. I, I will just say that, uh, you know, some of your greatest fears might be realized by the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it's I think you're right. I, I don't know if it ever transcends. The images. No. You know, Miranda July's narration is very good. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of it is very poetic. Oh, yeah. I agree. Uh, uh, you know, some of like the, the you know, the images of like the volcanoes oozing out into the sea. Oh, and yeah. Just watching the earth kind of like vomit. Mm-hmm. It's I never really, I've never really given much thought to volcanoes, to be honest really? with you. Oh, yeah. You know, like lava is kind of dope. You know? It's it's also terrifying. <laughs> I'm really into lava, but I never really thought about like. You know the nature of those things. I've I, I've kind of just taken them for granted as yeah they might blow up and kill a bunch of people. But I'm sure you never consider like if you have the right boot, you can step on lava and kick it a little bit. Right. Too. Yeah. It's, never thought about that. Ne- yeah. Never thought of like yeah frying, frying the egg. The yeah. egg oh on God, such a great the volcano. Um, yeah. I I think yeah. I've I've always thought of it in the cartoonish sense of like it's a mountain with a hole at the top and you can throw <laughs> things into it. Uh, but yeah, it's it's this like. Ever growing and expanding and evolving being essentially, yeah. it's kind of a living thing. They they, they even say that yeah, it kind of has. Uh, I th- they even do they say like volcanoes kind of have their own personality. Yeah, all sure. volcanoes are a little bit different. Yeah, right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Which you know, never really thought about it that way, and that's like what I love in a nature doc. You know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, it, its ability to personify yeah. these uh, these natural wonders, yeah. um, and you know the difference between a, a red volcano and a gray one, mm-hmm. and. How the the plates shift either inward or outward? Um, yeah, the Earth is just a what a what a weird planet we live on, huh? Weird, weird. Pl- no, I I completely agree. It's it's but it's informative in that way. Yeah, which is what a good documentary should do. But honestly, like spectacle is rarely this moving. It's like cool, wow. I felt that way about Avatar. Like oh wow, looks sure. so cool, and nice. But I wasn't like moved to my core by what I was seeing in the yep. way that I was with this. Yeah. Where it's like how, like, I, where I was literally going, like I didn't know this could exist. I didn't, I didn't know I, uh, I was allowed to see this ever, and it's just amazing that I'm kind of gifted this. Yep, uh, it was amazing. Um, yeah, I thought it would be my favorite documentary, but actually, it was not. Okay, I'm dying to know what it is. Yeah, I well, maybe you've seen it. Maybe okay. you've seen it. I hope you have because it was great. Okay, number nine for me. Yes. Right, this is a movie that I assume is on your list later, so if you want to talk about it later, you just let me know right now, but it's uh, a film called Decision to Leave. Oh, yeah, it is on my list later. Shall we wait? Uh, yeah. Yeah, we probably should. Okay. Then we'll wait. Then we will wait. That is my number nine. What is yours? My number nine is, is that black enough for you? My grandmother told me that movies turned her dreams into something resembling stories. But the on-screen crushing of Black Hope was institutional. When I was a kid, kid, we had Stephen Fedgett, Willie Best, Buckwheat, but I still wanted to be them. One decade answered the question, what happens to a dream deferred? Does it dry up like a raisin in the sun? Or does it explode? Wait, I thought you said I saw all your movies. <laughs> What the hell? I texted you last night being like, 
<laughs> yeah, what should I catch up on? You're like, nah, you've probably seen all these. <laughs> I thought you might have. It was, no. Oh, really? Oh, oh, is that black enough for you? Okay. Oh my God, what a what a movie. God, I loved it so much. It is basically. Uh, oh yeah, that's the Elvis Mitchell. Elvis, Elvis yeah, Mitchell yeah, movie. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Basically, God, I fucking love Elvis Mitchell. This was so good. Oh my God, are, are you a fan of Elvis Mitchell's podcast? I, I, I've only listened to a few things by him, and I've, I've seen a few interviews. I don't, I haven't listened to his podcast. Oh, it, dude, it is. It's it's one of the OG movie podcasts. Wow. It is Elvis Mitchell. Like it's it's so funny. In treatment, I think is it in, or the treatment, the treatment. Is is I think the name of it. He'll have like guests on, and they are you know some of the smartest people working in movies. Mm-hmm. Often it'll be directors on press tours, and this happens at least one every three episodes. Yeah, a guest will sit there and be like, "I've never gotten that question before." Like, wow, he's that kind of interviewer. That's great. Where the half of the podcast is just the guest being amazed at the quality of question that Elvis Mitchell has come up with. Like wow. he thinks about movies in truly in a way he's kind of like Richard Brody in that way. There's only a handful of like critics and movie thinkers that think about movies in a way that no one else on the planet Earth thinks about them. And wow. he's one of those people. That's great. And I, also has just this unbelievable voice too. Oh my god, loved it. You could watch the doc just for that. I wish you yeah. made. I wish you directed. More more like like narrative films too. I'd, yeah, he's one of those guys where it's like you're you're kind of a critic, right? But yes. like um, uh, you're one of those critics that could transcend to movies very easily and make some really amazing shit. Because this was I, I I honestly like like give it two weeks. This might even be higher on my list. It is so good. Mm. It's so good. It is one of the most entertaining films I've seen in a long time. Actually, uh, could be the most purely entertaining film I've seen this year, including Top Gun Maverick. In all honesty, this thing—it's just because it's just a history of you know uh, uh, black cinema. Yeah, and you know, ranging from the silent era, essentially up to Spike Lee. Okay, kind of stopping right there at that at that independent movement. Uh, in the 90s and whatnot. Um, but, you know, a, a, a big portion of the movie sort of covers the black exploitation movement in the 70s. And it is just this vibey, sexy, cool, and fun uh, oral history of all those things with some just wonderful, wonderful, insightful interviews talking about movies in a way that's like substantive and different. And that's the other big thing. Like, but in a way that's, you know, very accessible too. Like I could show this to anybody and they would have a great time with it. It's not like, you know, it's not, you know, I, I love listening to like the Safties talk about movies, but that's not going to be for everybody. Um, this is just, just not that they get like the, the, the Lawrence Fishburns of the world in, um, Sam Jackson. Uh, they get, uh, Billy D Williams, some, re- some, uh, really classic, um, uh, women of that era, which I loved. Oh my god! I wish, they didn't get Pam Greer. That would have been so. Pam Greer is not in it. They, they talk about coffee, but uh, okay. Uh, but she, yeah, she's not in it, unfortunately. Okay. And uh, but God, just like the, the the way it builds the narrative around like how uh, the uh, black cinema evolved and influenced so many other filmmakers and genres, and came into its own and became this 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 thing that needed to exist mm-hmm. er, and god help us otherwise was just the like again another really really amazing inspiring thing and it just made me want to go and watch all of these movies you know in a way that was so much different from like even the 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 senior film like i was i was more like curious about those movies uh more than anything but this was like i got to see these movies right now these things just yeah senior i think kind of <laughs> That movie doesn't mythologize uh, mm. th- those movies like 
because we're you know seeing it from the director's point of view like those things are more passion projects and his children in that you know whereas i imagine that this movie is much more like sort of it narrativizes the the era kind of right yeah and kind of like what certain films do for that era and for that culture more specifically but also does a great job at talking about the filmmakers that you might not know as much about and again there's so much going on I I, I mean it's amazing like you know, I, I kept thinking about like movies this year that are juggling characters and not doing a, a good job at this. Well, this movie is kind of doing a similar thing with its directors and its actors sometimes. Like the way it jumps from like Billy D. Williams to Sidney Potier doesn't always have the best things to say about Sidney Potier, interestingly enough, huh. which is a perspective I didn't always expect. I still had a still had a lot of respect for the guy, but um, looked at him in a very different light that I didn't necessarily consider. Okay. That I was maybe too ignorant to understand, honestly. Okay. Uh, and it was just what, like, wonderful, very, very thought provoking. And again, yeah, I, you know, I, I've always had a ton of respect for this era and, and everything. But I mean, it, 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 it just painted in a, in a light that I think you know most people kind of need. I, I just, I, I, I loved it. Uh, don't really have a bad thing to say about it. I think Elvis Mitchell does a great job at, you know, writing this thing out and giving it to us and giving his personality. That's the other thing. It's not, he's not coming at it from like this, this, you know, objective, like Ken Burns type of thing. He is giving his opinions on the movies as he's talking about it, which just makes it all the more fun and interesting too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, did not expect... Elvis Mitchell, the director, to make the top ten list. It is. It's that's crazy. I'm gonna watch that movie tonight. That sounds fucking awesome. How long? Two hours, fifteen minutes. I, I, I t- worth every second. It's just. It's. It's. It is the shit. Oh my god. Yeah. H- Harry Belafonte and the weird, like, should have been bigger than he was right. narrative. Again, there's just so many wonderful threads that say so much about that industry. Not, but not just about uh, the the black movement, but also about like what Hollywood did to that movement and how that evolved over time in such interesting and upsetting ways. Sometimes it's just so cool and just so rewarding and moving. God, I, 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 I couldn't really, I couldn't get enough of it. It was just so awesome. Good choice. You're, like, you're really shocking me so far. <laughs> there were a couple that I just had penciled in. Three documentaries in a row, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I'm not even sure. I mean, we'll see. I mean, there, there's a couple that I had penciled in for your list that are probably not going to make it now. But okay. Uh, I guess. Well. Cool. I'm, well, I don't know. I'm excited. We'll see. We'll I'm, see. I'm excited. Okay. Yeah. Number eight for me. I've had a lot of time to think, and I made the decision I'm not going to go back to school after winter break. What? Ooh, ain't got no hope. Obviously, you need to hear this. You're already at a professional level of drawing for what you want to do. Everything in your portfolio needs to be very clearly coming from who you are. I ain't got a home. You know, many years ago, Adam Hall. There was a little boy that jerked off in a library and smeared his semen all over the books. This is your number eight. And that little boy grew up. Wow. And he grew up to be a, a film director in his own right. That little boy's name is Owen Klein, and he made a movie called Funny Pages. Okay. The little boy from Squid and the Whale. I liked it, but like number eight, wow, that's 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 high. Uh, wow. This thing stars uh, Daniel Zolgradi, Matthew Maher, and Maria Dezia. Uh, a coming of age <laughs> dramedy about a uh, a kid who does not want to go to college and said he wants to pursue a career in underground comics. I 
found this movie to be hilarious. Oh my god. And anxiety inducing. And I mean, it is a, a Safdie Brothers movie. It's it's clearly inspired by the work of the Safdie Brothers. This oh is his directorial debut, and the Safdies produced this thing. I'm not sure when their involvement started, but you can feel their fingerprints all over. Uh, it is such a fucking... It's such a me movie. I mean, it's such a grimy, uh, vibey so, Nico movie. So disgusting, this movie. It's really gross. I, I might quibble with calling it a comedy because I wasn't laughing at all. Oh, I found it so funny. Oh, my God. This is a rough one, guys. The scene this, where the the, the the guy is showing him the apartment. And he's like, what happened to the fish? He got eaten by another fish. <laughs> but that scene... <laughs> That, that, There's a television. You can watch that. <laughs> There's the bathroom. You have a bathroom. That scene's horrifying. <laughs> that scene's so. And what's doubly horrifying is that the the fact that the kid is like cool. Right. I like this shit. Sure. I, I'm I, I'm attracted to this. Yes. I, I, oh God. I. It's interesting character. Yeah. That I just wanted to strangle the whole time. Oh, I liked him. Oh, I fucked this kid. I liked. I him. mean, deliberate. I, I really, I thought that you're, you're, you're. I thought the character was almost designed to be quite despicable. I mean, he's well. Is he despicable? I, I think he's definitely he's attracted to the sort of, as Tobey Maguire says in Babylon, the asshole of society. You know what I mean? Like he's he's attracted to the fringes and that. Yeah, he, he channels that energy through his art, but. I think in the real world, it has consequences. Hurts a lot of people around him. You know what I mean? Selfishly, though. Yeah. So I think dabbling in that world, although it it can produce like really funny transgressive stuff, I like that. That's the thing. It doesn't romanticize the the (laughs) counterculture underground lifestyle at all in the way that a lot of movies like this do. You know, well, fine. Yeah, no, I agree with that. But uh, it's, but it's that's almost a different story. This is a kid that like thinks he's going into the underground counterculture and just finds himself somewhere else and, yeah. entirely. Finds himself in the dumpster the yeah. whole time. <laughs> I mean, this is a year that Jackass Forever came out. This is a year that Triangle of Sadness came out. Mm-hmm. This is a year that Babylon came out. This is the grossest movie of the year for me. It is for me too. Um, just yeah. the the people portrayed in this. Oh my god! The characters that he comes across, uh, including the former comic book artist and the tenant, or I'm sorry, the landlord, um, the he, landlord in in his his whoever that other guy is, whoever that other tenant is in that apartment. Uh, I, I mean, like uh. <laughs> Owen Klein really takes it to a whole new level here, and I I did find it I did find it perversely funny. I found wow. it, I found it all very amusing. Uh, although, you know, I just had goosebumps the entire time. Like, I, I I felt really gross. Scariest movie I've seen this year. It's super terrifying. That final scene in the apartment is oh super my. terrifying. Yeah. Um, the scene where he goes to the Rite Aid is just so cringe. It's it's just a master class in cringe comedy. Yeah. Uh, it's anxiety-inducing. It's, uh, it's propulsive. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's. I mean, it, but it also has a, a really cool coming of age quality to it, but not in any sort of corny YA novel way. Well, it's a tragedy, though. At the end of the day, I mean, the, it's not a hopeful ending at all. Like, it's a right. The kid has is he's only like sixteen years old. He's effectively kind of ruined his life yeah. by the end of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the Safdie brothers' quality, right? <laughs> but it's not like he he didn't kill any, almost killed somebody, but he did, but he didn't like 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 throw anyone off the roof or and in the way that like it happens 
happens in like good time. It's not quite like that. It does it it makes sense for his character, but you still feel like there's no way this kid can come back from this. Right. <laughs> Yeah, and also, like, you know, maybe you don't belong here. You know, maybe this world is not for you. But you love it. I mean, right? Like, he, he truly loves his art. He loves comics. He, it's Well, he does. No, and the fascinating thing about it for me is, like, he loves he loves his art, but he also feels like, to me, anyway, he feels like he's in love with the image, too. It mm-hmm. almost feels like he's forcing the counterculture element to happen. Where even, And, I mean, maybe he's not meant for it because it never works out for him. As right. much as he wants to push it and, and, and make it a part of his existence, he it, it keeps getting away from him or forcing him out. Mm-hmm. Or the most horrible thing happens. Someone gets impaled by a tree. I don't know. Right. Uh, <laughs> also, the opening scene! The premise of that opening scene! Every adult is a bad influence. Every adult is a fucking weirdo. I mean, that's and it actually it it's an interesting sort of rumination on the experience of growing up because like when you're a child, you idolize adults, yeah, you worship yeah, yeah. them. You know, or at least if you're a child like me, like you know, I viewed adults with reverence. I viewed them as like people with answers. And then you get into adulthood, and you're like, God, there's a lot of fucking weirdos here. You know, that's true. That's true. There's a lot of weirdos that have somehow made it this far and are thriving in society. And it's like. How? I know. You know, I thought you grew out of that. I thought it was just a phase. (laughs) And for a lot of adults, it's not just a phase. But the thing that makes it horrifying is that usually, like you or I, we might say, all right, and now I'm going to go talk to the no- the normal people. Right. And then this kid says- he runs towards it. Runs yeah. towards it. Yeah, yeah. Gravitating towards it. It was like forcing himself to go and talk to these people. Yeah. That's what he, for some reason, and again, it's like, we're talking about people that live in a basement and, you know, jerk off to, I don't even know to what- like, they, Yeah, to like weird- off-brand Looney Tunes it's cartoons. Just crazy, like crazy in a way like you can't label. Yeah. That's the type of people this guy is attracted to, That to the to the extent that he almost wants to be these people. Yeah. That's a hard thing to square, and it's going to make for a very, very weird mental experience for you, which is why I thought, I thought I, it's a fascinating character. It's not a bad character, but I just hated him so much. Right. <laughs> well, I think that's... and I think You that's, hated what he put you through. Yes. <laughs> while no, watching no. the movie. It's like, why are you making... Why are you subjecting me to your bad decisions? And I'm not saying he made the movie worse or anything. Yeah. I'm just I'm just like, you know, it's like... Just you're, go home, live with your parents, you it, know? I guess it's kind of like your Francis Ha experience, but I almost think after seeing yeah. this, I think you're being too harsh on Francis Ha in that way. Oh, I mean, I... I <laughs> Oh yeah, I mean this is another sure whole certainly. other level of just like yeah. of just demented real life horror, right? You know? yeah. Uh, yeah, I fucking loved it. It's so my vibe. It's dude. a hell of a movie. It's so my vibe. Good, good movie. No, no, it's a good movie. But just like, what the fuck did I just see? Yeah. Oh my god. Uh, go check it out. I think it's kind of underseen. Uh, it is. It's, yeah. it's not getting a ton of love on end of year list. So consider this my public service announcement. Okay. There you go. That's my number eight. What's yours? My number eight is Taco Maverick. Maverick to range control. Entering point alpha. Confirm green range. Uh, Maverick, range control. Uh, green range is confirmed. I don't see an event scheduled for you, sir. Well, I'm going anyway. Nice. Setting time to target, two minutes, 15 seconds. 2.15, that's impossible. File attack point. Maverick's inbound. The, the biggest movies are back moments of the year, in my opinion, more so than even Avatar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I said it. Yeah, yeah, I mean, Maverick is one of the highest grossing movies of all time. 
Yeah. It it did insanely well at the box office. It was an old-fashioned word of mouth, yeah. water cooler discussion. You know, the audience sort of built over time. Stayed in theaters for like seven months. Yeah, I know. Uh, I mean, it's it's one of the few movies this year that, you know, I just talked about with normal people. Yeah. You see Maverick yet? Yeah, yeah. Fucking loved it. Cruise is the man. Yeah, it was you awesome. It, it just, you know, an old-fashioned communal experience. And uh, I have it at number three on wow. my list. It's wow. very high. Uh, you know, everything that an average blockbuster does, this one just does a little better. Okay. You know, yeah. every cliche, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, yeah. The romance is just a little better. The handing of the baton to the younger generation in the way that a lot of legacy sequels do it. It's just a little better. The action is just a little better. In fact, it's a lot better. Just a lot of better. It's just a lot uh, of better. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, all, it's all there. That's the funny right. thing. Is that, like, it's, if, you're, if you're talking about the movie from a distance, you would look at it and say like every cliche in the book and you'd be correct. And nothing really new or original here. I would agree with that. But again, how do you play the notes? Yep. That's the important thing here. How do you, how do you a- express yourself through what, what is you know, generally considered to be pretty familiar territory? And my God, is this just like the most awesome thing you've seen in quite a long time? Mm. And the, the the commitment to the bit is really the big thing here. Not just the cliches, but of course the action itself. And yeah, you've 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 probably never seen an action film quite like this before. Yeah. Well, you have though. You have. Right? You have. <laughs> you have. You've never. You haven't felt it like this before. I guess is more my point. Yeah. It's just. It's just the feeling it gives you. I mean, it's just an. Ex- it's a really exhilarating movie. You just walk out of there and you can feel. You can feel the jet stream, you know. Yeah, I know. You can you can feel the the speed of the planes. Yeah, it's like pure cinema and so, like, yeah. but like sincere. We talked about this a while ago. Totally. So the, the 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 big selling point for me, even more so than the uh, the, the 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 one the wonderful action, is just the fact that like you know we went through this really tough period in the 2010s where it's like everything was kind of ironic. Yep. And I liked it for a time, but they. God, it just got everywhere. And it, it, the problem I started to have with it is that it, it started to enter genres and territories that I didn't ever want it to be. I'm like, why are we, why are you, why are you Deadpooling up this horror movie? Right. You know what I mean? Yes. It's like, let Deadpool be Deadpool and let this horror movie be The Exorcist. But for some reason, it's trying to be fucking Deadpool. What's right. going on here? Right, right, right. Uh, and it was just nice to see, the, <laughs> like a, like you said, a Rocky. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. I, I didn't know we could we could still do that, that we were allowed to do that. And that people still have a hunger for yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it was great. I mean, that's the other thing. Uh, this movie is the great unifier, you know? Like, yeah. it, uh, it, it might save us from our impending civil war, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, like everyone I, loved this movie. Middle America loved it. The coasts loved it. Young people, old people, <laughs> unified, men, women. Unified the nation. Yeah. It did. And yeah, it's, it's Hollywood bullshit, fine. But, of course it is. But like, it's real about that, right? It's yes. real with it. It believes it. That's the important thing. It, right. it believes in itself. Right. And that's the important thing. It's not cynical about any one of its ideas. There's, even though, yes, it's, 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 you know, it's all a grand illusion, but that grand illusion means something, goddammit. Sure. Yep. Uh, you know, all the sort of bickering about the movie on the internet, I just found uncompelling. Like, you yeah. know, the idea of it being fascist in its its love of America or in some cases cowardly in its lack of naming the enemy like all of that stuff I like just shut the fuck up you know like sometimes just like no one cares yeah discourse needs to shut shut the fuck up and uh 
yeah, th- this movie just it it does the fucking job. It's just a ham sandwich, you know. And we've forgotten how to make a ham sandwich in this country, yep. you know. It's like that quote from uh, season two of The Wire. We used to build shit in this country, and we used to make movies like Top Gun Maverick. Yeah, it is a legacy sequel. I mean. You know, it's funny, like a lot of people are like, yeah, theaters are back, movies are back, you know, franchises have been uh, pronounced dead on site. And it's like, this is still a sequel to a very popular movie from 30 years ago. Yeah. So it's still a franchise thing. But um, it, it it does represent kind of a, an old school craftsmanship yeah. that it, I am I'm happy to say uh, is is still with us. Yes. Um, it's in cruise, man. And fucking cruise, you know. Yeah, we need movies like this. Cruise made a made a bet on himself, and it worked. And it worked. And he hit a home run, and now he's riding motor- motorcycles off of cliffs and Mission Impossible movies. Yeah, I know. And it's the best. And it's so fucking sick. The magic of movies, baby. Yeah, magic of movies. Magic of movies. Thank you. Funny enough. <laughs> Thank you, Tom Cruise and Nicole Kidman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Hell yeah. <laughs> Those two. <laughs> Saving cinema. Yeah. Comes to this place to cry. <laughs> for magic, Nico. No, no, no. <laughs> we come to this place for magic. Her ex-husband would agree. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, good choice. Thank you. You're up. I am. Number seven. The Banshees of Inishirin. Mmm. Now, I'm sitting here next to you, and if you're going back inside, I'm following you inside, and if you're going home, I'm following you there, too. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. And if I've said something to you, maybe I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it, but I don't think I said something when I was drunk and I've forgotten it. But if I did, then tell me what it was, and I'll say sorry for that, too, Colin. Uh, with all my heart, I'll say sorry. Just stop running away from me like some fool of a moody schoolchild. But you didn't say anything to me. And you didn't do anything to me. Well, that's what I was thinking, like. I just don't like you no more. I imagine this is on yours. Nope. Wow! Can you believe it? I can't. I'm stunned. I'm shocked. Yeah, number 15. 15! 15! Wow! Right below another movie that you'll probably be shocked didn't make my list. Wow! Loved it. Loved it. Loved it. it, But yeah, no. Man, the Curiosity Rover has overtaken Banshees. That's right, guys. I love that. Turns out the Mars Rovers, that's the friendship of the year. I love that Rover. Not Colin Farrell (laughs) and Brendan Gleeson. Hey, hey, hey. You have not seen Goodnight Oppie yet. It's real, bro. No, I'm sorry, It's a a real, real relationship. Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, Man, I was for sure. Yeah. I was so sure about this. Yeah, okay. Martin McDonough, he's back. Banshees mm-hmm. of Inisherin. You know, my history with, with McDonough has been a bit checkered. I know you are a, a devout follower uh, of his, and you you love basically all his movies, right? Not all. Of, I I okay. I love Six Shooter, his short film. It's uh-huh. like a, one of the greatest short films ever fucking made. Mm-hmm. Uh, In Bruges is one of my favorite movies of all time. Sure is. And I really love Seven Psychopaths. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not crazy about Three Billboards as much as everybody else is. I think it's fine. It's mm-hmm. not a not a bad movie at all. But like you know. Um, it's a movie that operates with a hammer and it's really annoying. Uh, well made, but like that's, you know, I don't think that it's, it's like he's never stepped foot in America yes. before, right. but like fine. Um, but this on the other hand, is like, you know, like, like it felt like, you know, you tackling what he knows, which is very weird black comedies that deal with very weird human struggles. Mm hmm. And very unconventional relationships. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> that um, generally end in bloodshed. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's great. I, I love the movie. Uh-huh. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, this is a this is an awesome movie. One that was in my top ten for a long time. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I just, you know, love a good like comedic somewhat character study of a movie. And yeah, I just think the whole movie kind of lives or dies on that relationship between Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson. And yeah, I just thought it's kind of a weird movie because it's like describe it to people. Like I tried describing this to people and recommending it. It's actually kind of hard to do. It's like, well, what's the movie about? Well, I mean, it's about two guys that don't quite get along. I saw a great Letterboxd (laughs) review that described the movie as uh, about two men trying to end a podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that's just perfect. Just thinking of the line, Nico, I just don't like you anymore. Yeah, Adam and I are going to have this conversation one day and it's going to be about the movie Hall of Fame and it's going to be very awkward and uncomfortable and and some appendages might be removed. You never know. Um, but the but it doesn't end though. That's the problem. The podcast doesn't end. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Yeah, I mean, the movie just hit me at the right time. It's the it's I think the first McDonough movie that has truly clicked for me on a personal level. Wow. Okay. Uh, it's okay. it's I think definitely my favorite of his. There is still that boyish streak to it, you know, yeah. where. McDonough is really amused by violence. He he finds violence kind of like Tarantino uh, to be you know amusing, uh, more so than meaningful. I I think about you're gonna make fun of me, but the Taylor Swift interview that he did, the uh-huh. directors on directors for Variety. Um, but you know Taylor Swift is waxing poetic about what the uh, spoiler alert uh, removal of Brendan Gleeson's fingers means about the psychology of his character and she's just you know spewing hippy dippy bullshit and McDonough sort of just chuckles and is like nah I just thought it was funny <laughs> you know I agree that and yeah. I think there is something quite charming about that but um I think it's kind of diminishing returns <coughs> uh, you know as as I watch more of his movies I am less and less sort of amused in Bruges I, I found it you know very funny you know I I, I found uh you know the violence in that movie to be quite fun, and I, I I find that movie to just be really charming as a hangout movie. Mm-hmm. And I think when you're dealing with something that is as um, uh, serious is not the right word, mm-hmm. but as existential as yeah. this movie, yeah. I guess uh, those kind of tonal shifts take me out of it a little bit. Uh, I I still thought though that it, it was it pretty it had a pretty firm grasp on its tone. That's why it's one of the top ten movies of the year for me. Um, and I, I just, I don't know, I see myself in both characters. Yep. And I imagine McDonough sees himself in both of these characters as well. I think a lot of us see ourselves in both of these characters. Yeah. I have been on both ends of uh, male breakups like this, you know? Yeah. I have uh, been the person that is outgrown, and I have been the person that outgrows people. And, um, you know, I felt it. I felt it. I felt McDonough grabbing me by the shoulders and shaking me and saying, Nico, snap the fuck out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if these concerns in the words of Carrie Condon um, are are just uh, they're so fucking stupid. It's like you men and your problems. Yeah, I know. And don't get, and let, let's be perfectly clear right now. I was watching him do it to you. Right. It was really Yeah, fu- you were sitting next to me. It was theater. really funny because yeah. I'm just like, it's about Nico. I came to a movie about Nico. This is great. Uh, right. <laughs> and I guess these are all meaningful questions, yeah. you know, about your purpose and what you leave behind and the, the, the you know, and, and, you know, also, should I be wasting my time well, at the pub well, having these conversations with people? Or, or maybe, it, but it, but it also says like, is it, it, 
like maybe that's okay like is it really worth it is the question (laughs) and the larger thing too is like what else do you have yeah exactly i mean this is all we really have and you have to learn to accept it like this needs to be enough you have no choice but for this to be enough because if you go so hard in the other direction it ends with uh zero fingers on your hands yeah you know ends with a yeah (laughs) <laughs> Zero fingers and a dead donkey And a dead donkey yeah, oh, And poor donkey. that poor donkey Favorite animal of the year Adam I've seen a lot of movies this year Where donkeys are getting killed And I don't like it Because I love donkeys I love me some donkeys Donkeys uh, are the best okay. I love the whale and avatar You know yeah. A lot of great animals I love Marcel the shell He's not really an animal He's an inanimate object But kind of an animal <laughs> You know, it's poor horses and nope. I mean, there were some good animals oh, yeah, on screen right, this yeah. year, yeah. but God, that donkey. Uh, yeah, it, it just it hit me at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, My second favorite McDonough film, I think. Yeah. Carrie Condon also just so good. fantastic in this. One of the most she I don't know. Is she getting overlooked for awards? Because she's totally. Like, she, oh, my gosh. She's so good in the movie. She's yes. my, made my favorite performance in the movie. She's excellent. Barry yeah. Kogan is excellent, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's been a little bit of Colin Farrell hype. Uh, he might challenge Brendan Fraser uh, for the Oscar this year. Gotta uh, talk about the whale, by the way. Did you see it? Yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, I saw the whale, baby. I imagine it did not make your list. No, uh, but I don't want to bring it down too much because there's been a lot of hate leveled at the whale hmm. that I don't think it deserves. Okay. Yeah. I need to see it. I haven't gotten yes. a chance. Yeah. yeah. Not a perfect movie, but um, calm down, people. Yeah. Um... Yeah, Banshees of Inisherin, slow yeah. movie, uh, Languid, subtle movie. As I, as I like to say, languid, just kind of yes. chills, and you discover the movie as it, as a character does a little subtle action. Mm-hmm. I love the inclusion of the of it being fingers. By the way, I don't know. There's not, in movies. This is a common thing in movies where characters do extraordinary things to themselves by like chopping off fingers. And God, it just—I don't know. I don't know. It's just, it just it always hits me so much harder. I don't know. I've seen. It's, I can't. I've seen it a lot in movies where characters like try to make a point by cutting off their fingers. Yeah. I don't know. It's like it's like a Hollywood trope or something like that. But yeah. uh, but I don't know. Like it does it does leave a I, I mean, I guess it makes more sense for him to be cutting off his fingers than like saying, Oh, I'm gonna cut out my tongue or something like that. You know? Right. Uh yeah, I don't know. I I think it was the right choice. <laughs> as insane as it is. Number seven for you, sir. Number seven for me is the cursed. Judas asked, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? We will all pay for the sins made by our elders. Yeah, horror movie. Horror movie. The only... Well... Mm, that other one's kind of a horror movie, uh-huh. sort of. Uh, but the the most overt horror movie on my list is The Cursed, a film that nobody has seen, nobody seems to care about. It's just kind of there. Mm. Uh, very strange to me because I think it's an extraordinarily well made movie. A uh, wonderful twist on uh, the werewolf genre, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that. Um, and a just an excellent period piece too. I mean, the production of this movie is incredible. And yeah, I loved it. I really loved it, and I, it does. It the only thing I might criticize about it is that the ending is a little abrupt, but but it's but it's also kind of interesting. Not to spoil anything, but like uh, does does doesn't leave me unsatisfied in any way, really. Um, 
yeah, I just, I just kind of, I just think the atmosphere in this movie is utterly incredible. I just think it sets of place is incredible. And I just think the way it plays with the mythology is really, really interesting and disturbing too. It's more than just, you know, you get bit by the werewolf and that's that the way it develops, like how a werewolf becomes a werewolf is compelling and frightening. And you kind of look at the larger implications on how it's going to affect the community and it's fascinating. And it also uh, introduces it in such a way that's uh, this really great tragedy. Like the, re- the reasons the werewolves come at all is because of some great evil that occurs. And it's, uh, it gives a greater significance to it than, a- than just being like some random monster in the woods. Mm. So there's like a character purpose behind why the werewolves actually come that is very chilling. One of the most chilling scenes in the movie. One of the best scenes I've seen all year, honestly, of a, uh, a village massacre. That is, yeah, uh, uh, intense. It's all done in one shot, and it is would. it better than the village massacre in the Northman? In my opinion, yeah, because not not there a, is some hardcore village massacre. Well, well, it's not a well. That's a better like directorial feel. Like that's like yeah. it's 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 hardcore, and the action is awesome. But like that's the thing, the action is like really dope. This is much more unsettling. Yeah, uh, just because of the way it's shot and the way it's directed and the way the event unspools. Yeah. And you kind of know it's about to happen, but you're kind of telling yourself, please don't go there. It's one of those like an, like horrible anticipations. Mm-hmm. And boy, when it explodes, it's really, really rough. Um, also, just a slew of really great performances, particularly with Boyd Holbrook. Yeah. Doing an English accent. I like that guy. I, I like him too. And he, this was really, really, really good. Uh, I loved his character in this and, and the reasons behind why he's doing what he's doing are, you know, not revealed at, at, at the start and then they become more clear as we go. So it's this nice little mystery. Um, yeah, I just thought it was an awesome, very unique genre piece. Kind of felt like to me, like it's the, the, the cursed is to werewolves at what the witch is to witches. Okay. And that was great. And similarly, similar kind of just like, wow, look at this direction. Look at the way that this is shot. Look at the sense of atmosphere. Look at the, th- the thematic implications for why these characters are doing it. And just their sense of uh, family and vengeance was really unsettling. Um, I loved it. Um, uh, I, I recommend anyone who's like kind of interested in the horror movies of this year, check it out. Uh, it's, in my opinion, it's the best. A lot of people seem to think that like, uh, X or Pearl are the best. I think it's I think it's better than those. Mm-hmm. Hellraiser uh, was kind of another pleasant surprise, by the way. I you know for, as like an honorable mention. So that that's your only horror movie. Do you want to like maybe go down and highlight some other ones? Because I had a couple too that did not make the list. Yeah, uh, I, I Scream. Scream was one that was. I thought up. Scream was really solid. Yeah, pleasant pleasant surprise. I was incredibly happy with Scream. Yep. Another movie, Bodies Bodies Bodies. Uh, didn't make my list, but didn't I, make mine either. But I <laughs> I really really liked it a lot more than. I thought I would. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This movie that worked for me surprisingly well, honestly. So fucking funny. Funny. Yeah. Rachel Sinat. Is that how you pronounce her last name? I think so. Yeah. Superstar. That girl. My God. I mean, everything with Lee Pace. I think like she says, like he's a Libra. That's going to be a good sign. Um, just a great, just a total idiot. And she goes, it takes a lot of work to do a podcast. You have to book guests. You have to do research. She gets it. She yeah. fucking gets it. Yeah, I thought the ending was, I, I don't know, like, I, I think a little maybe too cute. But other than that, like, the, the violence is super fun. And mm-hmm. uh, 
the 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 kills are pretty gnarly and good satire too. Yeah, I it's really it's just it. right. It it's it's more of a comedy than a horror movie. Yeah, I mean, and it's you know it's it's a it's a decent whodunit. In my opinion, the best whodunit of the year. Sorry, Ryan Johnson. Um, what are whodunits, by the way? Yeah, I know. You didn't like Last Onion, did you? I didn't dislike it. Me I neither. Thought, I thought it was fine. Yeah. Um, I will say in regards. To, well, I mean, I don't know for. Did you see the Fletch movie? No, I didn't. Yeah. That might be my favorite whodunit. Wow. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. John Hamm just yeah, just throwing that. ninety miles an hour. I know. <laughs> every scene. <laughs> we like that John Hamm. Oh, it's so fun. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll check it out. I, yeah. I, there were a number of them. There, there were a number of like eh, decent who done like uh, see how they run. I didn't see that. Which is a movie that doesn't exist. But it, <laughs> it allegedly came out a few months ago. I thought it was fine. Um, you know, the outfit with Mark Rylance. I did see the outfit. Yeah. Um, okay. Very stagey. Yeah, I was like, this needs to be a play. It's just that's just all it is. It's just rope, right? A lot of the time, it's just rope. Yeah. Uh, Death on the Nile came out this year. Didn't bother. Yeah, whodunits are kind of back. Yeah. Well, that's cool though. I mean, I like it. I like a whodunit when it's done well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This was um, as far as like the reveal. It's like um, I, I I can't say I I like called the ending per se, but I can also say that the movie had me fooled either. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. It's like, well, I could be this. If the movie's leaning more into the satirical edge, it would make sense if they went in this direction, but right. I don't know for sure if they're going to do that. Yes. That's kind of how I felt about yeah, it. Yeah, it was kind of like, a, oh, okay. It kind of, it closed the loop yeah. in kind of a, I, I don't know, it's kind of like beating a level of Candy Crush, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it wasn't like, a, yeah, I just did it. It was kind of like, okay, nice. No, okay, yeah. That worked out. Yeah, it was clever. I like, I like yeah. what you did there, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, but I can't say it was like. But uh, not a lot of horror movies end like that. You know what I mean? No, no. But th- There's not a ton of horror movies where it's like, ah, okay. Ah, yeah. Well, that's the point of the movie. Everyone's dead. Yeah, 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 it, so it, it plays with your expectation and says like, yeah, you, this, this is, this is the way it was all along, and you're like, oh. Right. It's it's sort of it's it's one of the few times where it's like a wet blanket is it's part of the joke. Right. It's supposed to be a joke. Yes. Definitely. Uh, uh, so I was uh, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I like that one. Bodies, bodies, bodies. And yeah, other horror movies. I guess Mad God kind of counts. That was very good. Yeah. I didn't get around to that. Oh, Terrifier too. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> the 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 sleeper hit indie horror film of the year. Uh, I really liked it. Uh, but like, holy fuck, is this movie violent? Yeah. Uh, oh my god it's by far the most violent movie of the year most violent movie I've seen in a long time longest slasher movie I've ever seen mm-hmm. it's like a two hour 20 minute slasher film mm. Mm. Uh, I, they crowdfunded it right I think so yeah yeah, yeah it cost like peanuts to make and it grossed like 11 million dollars good for them Jesus Christ good yeah good for them is right uh, good really fun movie with an excellent performance by David Howard Thornton as uh, Art the Clown who we'll probably talk about with anti-Oscars oh wow yeah he's really good in the movie oh no shit <laughs> uh, yeah uh, yeah that's a fun one but um, uh, not for the faint of heart yeah <laughs> Uh, I had the black phone pretty high on my list. Okay, yeah, that was pretty good too. That was a nice little, uh, you know, Stephen King ripoff written by Stephen King's son. And <laughs> my number eleven movie, it was, it just missed the cut. Uh, so that's why I have no horror movies in there. Barbarian. Yeah, Barbarian. Barbarian's not that high on my list, but that was a good one too. Yeah, I, I thought uh, just an exhilarating, again, theatrical experience, like seeing that movie in a theater with people that could laugh around, laugh at the. Uh, at the twists and uh, get scared at the right moments and mm-hmm. yell at the screen. Exhilarating time. I had no idea where that movie was going at any moment. And uh, how fun, you know, how fun to get lost in a hedge maze. You know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, 
Yeah, it was a it was it was a good movie. Good yeah. good fun time. Yeah, I like that one. Okay. So uh, that's the cursed. That's number seven for you, right? The cursed. Yeah, highly highly recommended. And uh, yeah, also a oh, great score in that one too. I didn't want a really really good soundtrack. Okay. Uh, you don't want that one to go unseen because it's 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 pretty awesome. It's kind of like this year's um um uh what the hell is that that movie the the Silent Man. Oh, the Empty Man. The Empty Man. Yeah, yeah. Whoa, yeah. that was a good movie. I never saw that one either. Really good movie. Need to get around to that. Okay. Number six for me. Oh. Did you know that the very first assembly of photographs to create a motion picture was a two-second clip of a black man on a horse? And that man is my great-great-grandfather. Great. There's another great-grandfather. But that's why back at the Haywood Ranch, as the only black-owned horse trainers in Hollywood, we like to say, since the moment pitches could move, we had skin in the game. It's a movie we talked about quite a bit, so I won't belabor the point. But uh, we saw it in a theater together, and there was something wrong with the projector. And I don't know if the bulb was too bright or it was too dim or AMC just didn't calibrate the color. I don't fucking know. AMC, my local AMC has been pissing me off. Yeah. I went to see Babylon. The front speaker sounded like it was coming through a high school PA system. Ooh, that's not good. Yeah, there was one speaker that was broken. So you had the, the oh, surround no. sound working uh. throughout the theater. But when certain characters would speak, their dialogue would sound like it was coming from AM radio. Oh, that's bad. It was awful. Like, I don't know what the fuck is happening at my local AMC, but we need new ownership in there damn okay and it's ruining some of these movies for me so we saw nope um in the theater and it just didn't play well because like something was wrong and i was really distracted and so i rewatched the movie and i think it's kind of remarkable um i know you weren't a huge fan of it still not a huge fan of it i think jordan peele is is really evolving into a serious player here i i'm not sure i like it more than get out but i think it's a more accomplished and more complicated movie than Get Out. It's certainly a better directed movie than Get Out. Complicated, like thematically? Sure. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. I think there's more to read here. Um, and I also think it works better as just a pure piece of blockbuster entertainment. Um, the Spielberg um, references are very obvious. The Shyamalan sort of references are obvious. Um, Peel just knows his stuff. He knows his history. He's a student of this, of this medium. And... Uh, the stuff that he's able to pull off in the third act of this movie, I think are really fucking remarkable. The way that he's able to sort of play around with and subvert, you know, tropes of the Western and tropes of the science fiction movie, the way that he's able to update Jaws for modern sensibilities. Um, And also say something about movie making, say something about black representation, you know, say something, uh, you know, about the old West, but not hit you over the head with it. Um, I think we talked about this on on the podcast uh, when we reviewed Nope, but, uh, you know, guys like Tarantino, guys like Nolan early in their careers uh, put a premium on structure over story. And I think as they evolved as filmmakers and as they got better, which I think both of those guys did, uh, they realized that structure can enhance story. Yeah. And, you know, Peel figured that out here. He figured out that I can use my you know, knack for twists and knack for, you know, surprise endings and, you know, all the complex stuff I put in my screenplays and use it to say something about these people who I found to be quite real and authentic. Uh, Kaluuya and Kiki Palmer in particular, 
that's just a real brother and sister right there. Those are real siblings that have that have experience uh, together and and uh, have a language that is only their own to communicate with one another. Um, and I I think like this has a chance. This has a chance to really be around for a while. I th- I think that this could be a a special movie. Um, and I I didn't really get that on first glance, and I'm happy that I revisited it. Yeah. Um, I think you should revisit it too. Frankly, Adam Hall. I have. Okay. Nah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, I think it's a whatever thing to me, for me personally. Okay. I, I don't have, yeah, I, for, for a lot of like, I, it's unfortunately for me, it's one of those things for like, for a lot of the reasons why like, you might love it. I'm like, yeah, but I'm not sure he went far enough here. I'm not sure all the thematic stuff is well ironed out. I don't like the characters. I'm just going to say it. Oh, man. I do not like Dan. I, this is the first time I was like, okay, the Daniel Kaluuya thing is nothing here to me oh, I think and he's so good at this. and kiki palmer is even less remarkable unfortunately oh yeah i man. Just, just think she has nothing to do um and i i don't it's a it's a to me I, and i already said this like when we when we talked about it, it's like what it's focusing on is sort of like muddled and unclear and i felt i felt that way about like jordan peele's movies in the past where it's like he's always he's almost biting off more than he can chew and for me personally it doesn't it doesn't feel like he solidifies into talking about any one thing so he's sort of talking about filmmaking and then he's sort of also talking about black representation and then he's also sort of talking about the history of cinema and it's all just it, it's touched upon but not f- deeply explored i was sort of i don't know i, sh- I sort of shrugged at the movie see i i didn't see it that way i kind of know what you mean yeah. i mean i i guess one man's muddled is another man's rich i guess uh, but i i just i found there to be a lot of puzzles in this puzzle box you know i uh, I, I thought there were a lot of different ways to sort of read it and unpack it uh, but I, not in a way that calls attention to itself. And I think that's the difference between something like us and this oh, one. Yeah. You know, where us is, you know, clearly like, oh, that's you know, a- you needed one more draft to oh, sort yeah, of yeah. iron out some of the, the you know, some of the plot, some of the thematic stuff. Whereas this, I think it's kind of there without without explicitly calling attention to itself. Some of that stuff might be obvious. I mean, the quote about spectacle at the beginning of the movie, I yeah. think, kind of sets up the theme in a pretty on the nose way. Sure. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know the other stuff like, you know, there's a poster of uh, Buck and the preacher in the background mm-hmm. of, of one of those scenes. And that's just sort of there, you know, it's kind of there as a reference and you can take what you want from it or not. Um, and, and by the way, like there's just some of the scenes of the year in this movie, like the, the monkey scene during yeah, the sitcom taping is it's yeah. tremendous, you know? Yeah. You know, it just goes back to what I always, it's like, you know, for me personally, the, it's not that I have an issue with the ideas here that they're not there. That's not really my, my, my concern. I just, it comes down to, I guess, execution more than anything. Yeah. I, I cause I wasn't particularly crazy even about the third act of the movie, you know? Mm. Yeah. Which is, which I is the third act kind of fucking rules. Yeah. This movie rules. I love it. Yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. I, I was unengaged. Okay. I wish I wish I wasn't because I want to love I want to love this guy, but he's yet to do anything that I love. I wish he would not write his scripts. Yeah, uh, you mentioned that I think last time we yeah, talked about it. Yeah, because I don't like his writing very much. Yeah, I'm just gonna say it. No, I I think after us, I was concerned. I was. I found that movie entertaining enough, but I definitely I could have went one or two ways. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. and and this movie kind of reassured like. Oh yeah, this guy. This guy's gonna be around for a while. Oh, I don't. Yeah, he's not going anywhere, which is good. I don't want Jordan Peele to go anywhere. Yeah, you know. And I'm always gonna be interested to see what he does next because I'm waiting for that movie. Okay. I'm waiting for that one. Yeah. Yeah. 
Let's come on, Jordan. All right. Give it to me. <laughs> Wonder what the hell that movie's going to be about. Because, <laughs> again, I saw the trailer for this. And I'm like, oh, fuck, yeah. This is, like, so up my alley. And it was, like, I, it's just an identical reaction. I'm like, what the fuck? God damn it. Just doesn't compute. Yeah, it doesn't compute. Yeah, unfortunately. All right. Yeah. Number Maybe. six for you. Uh, number six for me is 3,000 Years of Longing. I cannot for the life of me summon up one eligible wish. And you're asking me for three. Is there any life in you? Are you even alive? You know, in some cultures, absence of desire means enlightenment. Then you are a pious fool. If I'm content, why tempt fate? And you're a coward. Don't goad me. There is no human, no angel, no djinn that wouldn't grasp at the chance to fulfill their deepest longings. And I am saddled with the one who claims to want nothing at all. Alethea Bini, you are a liar. You know, I am beginning to wish we'd never met. No, Don't say that! Okay, it is my number 18. Okay. But yeah. uh, to, to no fault of the movie. Yeah, we talked about this it, uh, on the Blonde podcast, I think. And yeah, just a really, really awesome movie about stories at first. And then a movie about uh, one's love with those stories that, that kind of define who you are as a person. And it's just a... You know, like fuck those who you didn't give this movie a chance. I loved it. I just a really, really delightful little like 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 surreal odyssey that just has this really touching love story at the center of it all. Through one of the better performances by Tilda Swinton and particularly Idris Elba that I've seen in a while. Um, oh, it's the best Idris Elba performance in years. Yeah, probably. Yeah, uh, a fascinating perspective. I mean, it's I, I I think I said this when we were talking about it that like it's. You know, it's rare. You know, usually when you see movies that are about like stories, they 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 focus down on like like a uh, I don't know an idea, like one specific idea. Like they focus on like like the the power of love in a grand spectrum of stories, or or, or in the framework, and they focus on family drama and how that relates to this person's story. Whereas like this one is more about like how humankind is influenced by stories literally Mm -hmm. and that was a very interesting approach to take and like why stories matter to the to the framework of who we are and our need to keep telling them and yeah i I think that relates deeply to what george miller has been fascinated with since his youth uh and it was actually kind of a movie that i felt like he needed to make probably a movie that only he could have made because i can't imagine anyone tackling this material and actually uh, presenting it in a way that was coherent. Mm. Uh, yeah, yeah, just a really, really solid, awesome movie. Yeah, I am thinking about it now. I'm not sure I can identify what the actual the stories within the stories mm. were. I I don't. I'm not sure that they are distinct enough. Mm-hmm. As I'm thinking back on them to really make like a, a totally successful anthology movie, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, they're all kind of ruminations, as you said, on the same theme. Yeah. And they're a little samey samey. When I think back on the movie, though, I think about the third act. I think oh, about yeah. the, the romance, the pseudo romance, I guess. Mm-hmm. And the sort of, you know, metaphysical absurdism in the in the last half hour. And that was the stuff that blew me away. Yeah. Know. You know, yeah. Uh, I, I like the other parts. I think I think it's entertaining enough. There's enough George Miller flair to keep me engaged or whatever. Um, to me, though, it just takes a leap at the end. Well, goes for it, and yeah, yeah. That that it's really a turn. It really does take a right turn. It becomes yeah. a, a slightly different movie at that point. Yes, and then it go. You know, 
um, uh, I guess you know, it's kind of an unraveling that I didn't expect. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, it kind of it hurts. It it, it oh hits, my god yeah it it, it it hits pretty pretty damn hard. Oh yeah yeah. It's uh, a good movie. Very very good movie. Go see it. No one saw it. We no, did though. Yeah, we did. You should see it. Uh, yeah. Tilda Swinton doing great work this fin- year. Well, it's, it's, as always. Finally, she, she plays a normal person for a change. That yes, was, that was that was unbelievable. Yeah, she's not playing like a a fairy from uh, another <laughs> planet or whatever. I guess she. Yeah, that's true. The <laughs> fucking what was what 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 is she doing in the Jim Jarmusch zombie movie? What what did I say? Oh um, yeah, faux Japanese mortician Scottish alien. Yes, that that has a sword. Yeah, I'm still not sure what planet she's from. Me neither. But <laughs> they they train pretty good actors there. Apparently, yeah. they okay. have really good improv classes. I guess she was good in uh, really good in um, uh, Eternal Daughter. So. Oh yeah, yeah she's yeah. excellent. Yeah, in that. So there we go. Okay. Yeah, playing two different roles. She's been having a good year that one. That Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number. What are we on? Number five. Number five. Top five. Here we go. What do you got? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Cha-cha real smooth. Is he your soulmate? Do you believe in soulmates? Yeah, I do. (laughs) I think on the earth, we all have like a ton of soulmates. I think for you, maybe it's like a special case where you only have a few. (laughs) Who like could be and really are your soulmates. But most of the people in the world aren't your soulmate. How many soulmates? For you, like four. Four? Yeah, four soulmates. I probably haven't met any of them. No, you have. God puts them like on your path so you'll cross. How many do you have? Like 1,200. <laughs> have you met any? Yes. Oh my God. That's my number five. <laughs> wow. That's, I, I, I hung on all year. Number 24 for me. That's good. That's, a, that's, that's pretty good. That's, that's really good. Yeah, yeah. I'm impressed. Cha yeah. uh, Cha. Cooper Rafe. His second movie. Did it with Dakota Johnson. I wrote a big thing about it for the website again. Hopefully that piece is up by the time this podcast publishes. Uh, the, the movie begins at a bar mitzvah. <laughs> I think 11 years before the events of the movie. And there's a song playing in that called uh, The Show Goes On by uh, the rapper Lupe Fiasco. Lay. Sir. Yeah. Yeah. Kane is in the building. Yeah. All right. Already the show goes on all night. Till the morning we dream so long. Anybody ever wonder when they would see us? That was a, a song that came out, I think, 2008, 2009. And yeah. it came out in an era of, of hip-hop after Kanye West, the college dropout, um, you know, after the sort of gangster rap era of, like, you know, NWA and Tupac and stuff. And, um, and I think... At a time for rap and a time for music where, you know, uh, everything was, you know, safe for radio play, you know, and I think the rap of that era and and guys like Drake and Wale or whatever um, and and Lupe Fiasco, I think, are all sort of grouped into that, uh, you know, rap music that was successful and embraced by top 40 radio, but 
not particularly influential. You know, this was not rap music that you were passing around on mixtapes or whatever, and you or you weren't listening to it. You know, uh, uh, you know, with some sort of uh, bootleg CD, right? Like it was, you know, mainstream populist shit that was played at junior prom or whatever. Mm. And when I watched that scene, like I was moved by it. I, I remember being really moved by it. And I didn't know why, because I like I didn't really have a relationship with that song other than the fact that it was a song that was always there. It always kind of just existed. Yeah. And, you know, maybe you can call that empty nostalgia. Maybe it's just the movie is showing me something from my childhood and I am having a, a physical reaction to it that I can't control. But I, I actually think it's more than that. This is a movie that just is, you know, <laughs> it's a movie that doesn't try to stylize itself or or mythologize itself or um y- you know portray itself as anything other than as it is and cooper rafe in particular is a guy that is willing to present himself totally naked warts yeah. and all um and frankly in the most uncool movie of the year this movie oh, yeah. is so uncool <laughs> from that music choice to the character himself to the dancing to the, to the romance the to the title there is nothing fucking cool about this it is lame as hell this movie should be shoved in a locker <laughs> and and given a wedgie and a, and a um, yeah and a, and a, what do they call those the uh, whirlies in the in the swirls, swirlies yeah, yeah in the toilet yeah. yeah you should bully this movie it's so uncool <laughs> but it's the vulnerability of this movie but though. what a breath of fresh air nonetheless oh my god how remarkable yeah a movie that is just not trying and i mean i say that in a very positive way like i think the dialogue here is really well considered and i think cooper rafe is is an excellent observer of the world around him and of human nature mm-hmm. and i and i still think like the performance in, in this are, are are really good really really good um but it's it's not trying to be greater than the sum of its parts you know what i mean no there's 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 a i guess you could call it a fuck it mentality without being chaotic you know while still being like like while still meaning well you know it kind of it's a movie that in many ways feels like its lead character yes which is important too yeah uh i i it's kind of a movie i didn't really know where it was going um but once that relationship between him and dakota johnson eventually calcifies yeah, it's one of the more moving films of the year for me too. Yeah, yeah for similar reasons, for similar introspections on you know, uh, what, what, how would you describe his character? He's a guy without a purpose, yeah, without a calling. Without, without, he's he's looking, he's searching. Yeah, a great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, great. it's a very it's a very simple sort of trite idea. It's like you know, it goes back to the graduate, right? Right? Like you're out of you're out of college. What now? And it's that feeling of like, what if this never ends? Sure. What if I'm here forever? Like, what <laughs> if I'm in, I'm just floating around like an amoeba just, uh, you know, for the rest of my life doing these dead end jobs and never falling in love <laughs> or whatever. And he's a guy kind of, uh, he, he, he is, he, he has no control over his life, right? He's too busy running everybody else. Well, life. that's the, yeah. Ma- masks it by trying to help other people, by giving himself some purpose, by focusing on other people, not really focusing on himself, mm-hmm. which is a really sad idea, but very true idea that I think, you know, you and I understand quite well. Yeah. Yeah. I did. I related to this guy a lot. Yeah, I, mean, no. I saw so much of my life in him. Um, and it's just, it, it broke me. It just oh, definitely broke me, this movie. A lot like Shithouse. Remember that one? Yeah, I know. Yeah. I mean, both of them, uh, and both of them made my end of the year list. And uh, look, I, I think a more shrewd appreciator of movies would 
look at my taste and look at this list and be like a fucking loser. He like Cha Cha Real Smooth. No, Cha Cha Real Smooth is a really good movie. Yeah, though. it's good. It's very. I don't good. know. I I I I love how sincere this movie is. I love how it just doesn't have any cynical, ironic bone in its body. And you know what? To be honest with you, I'm looking at my top ten list now. That that was the type of movie that I was attracted to. I think. You know, I I loved the movies that um just were. Yeah, this it's like take a punch at me. I don't care. You know, because I don't care about anything right now. Yeah. And then that that develops into something very sad uh, as the character eventually finds a means of getting past his stuff very in a very hard way in a very really great scene. The final scene with him in the car. Yes. Just really, really. I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. The guy cries a lot on camera and you're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to have your your actors cry because the audience is supposed to cry. I think that's a Michael Caine quote. Uh Cooper Rafe does not play by that rule. He he cries often, and uh, yeah. I don't know that it's not the word bravery is I think baited about a little too much. It's not really bravery, but it is kind of a I don't know a confidence, right? Confidence. It's for a sure. confident movie, you know. Yes, I know, and it works. It works very very well. Yeah, one of the I'd say one of the best movies of the year. There you go. Yeah, also I, Dakota Johnson. I agree. Oh my God, Dakota Johnson. <laughs> Good. Nico's hopeful. <laughs> future wife over there dakota johnson wow yeah one of these days wow <laughs> she's very good in this holy shit well we'll talk about her in uh two weeks yeah mm-hmm. yeah holy shit okay go ahead number five this might upset you it's uh the fablemans number five uh no listen i'm i'm cool man that's a good that's a live good, and let live that's a good placement for it i think yeah let's wait okay yeah i know all right we'll wait that's fine yeah different strokes for different folks that's okay number five is a good spot <laughs> i disagree but that's all right slide right. the family stone over there let's uh all right maybe i should save this one too well eventually we should talk about some of these fucking movies right well yeah i would think so well my number <laughs> wait, well, what do you say what's the what's the next one what well you- my number four i imagine is going to be higher on your list too let me just say this my top four movies put them in any order put them in a hat jumble them up pull pull them randomly uh, top four in a class of their own in my opinion and on okay. any given day it could be my number one and yeah my yeah. number one could be my number four I, I agree with my top three for, well, you know, top four for, yeah. So the Fablemans to number two, I kind of feel that way about. Yeah. So yeah, to clarify, there there's a day where I feel like Fablemans is number two. My number one is my number one though. Okay. So. My number four is After Sun. Okay. Save. Save. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Yep. <laughs> number three for you. Number four. Or for number four for, four for you. Decision to lead. Let's talk about it now. Yep. Okay, decisionally, Park Chan Wook returns uh, for his first movie in six years since The Handmaiden, starring uh, Park Hae Il and Tang Wee, who is uh, mystifying in this movie. She is so mm. fucking good. Oh my god! How do you describe Decision to Leave? It's kind of a old-fashioned police procedural sort of noir movie with a romantic edge. Uh, it's kind of Park's vertigo, right? Yeah, well, kind of. And it's a movie that is entirely about perspective, right? Right. Yeah, and about one's uh, uh, allure for it. Yeah. <laughs> and how that ruins one's life. Yeah. 
Right. Um, there's a voyeuristic quality to it. But it's but it there's a it's weird though because the voyeuristic qualities in something like Vertigo are really disturbing. And in here they're a little more tender in a weird way. Almost all the times where it's like it becomes more vo- voyeuristic, it almost feels like a character's reaching out to help. Mm. It's very interesting, you know, it, and and the characters themselves start to take on similar voyeuristic qualities where they're looking out for each other and trying to help one another and but it doesn't really work mm. <laughs> as 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 the movie goes on. Right. Um, yeah, but it's, but it's, it's, it is maybe perhaps the, um, I guess most loving noir I've seen. It's really romantic. Very romantic. Yeah. That's the difference I think between that and Vertigo. Like Vertigo is a movie that is quite cynical about the nature of love and attraction. Whereas, yeah, this one, I mean, it's a forbidden romance to put it mildly, but it, it, yeah. it does kind of, yeah, pulls you in. Like, you kind of want these two lovebirds to figure it out. Well, you know, it takes, like, the, the what obsession one's ha- one has for solving a, a crime and turns that into one's obsession for a person romantically. Yeah. Right. You know, switches the femme fatale and, and instead of making her the villain, where it's like in any other movie, she's the villain. Yes. Like, in a, a bad, a bad girl. Sure. And in this, it's like, no, she's, she's... The, the 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 love interest that needs saving right yeah <laughs> i mean and honestly she ain't that much different from sharon stone and in basic instinct you nope. know what i mean nope. like her nope. actions suggest a kind of menace and evil no i, I agree and yeah, a coldness yeah. <laughs> but the, the way that she performs it and also the way that park sort of portrays her uh is yeah it's it's a really fine line that it walks it's kind of it's a it's a well, <laughs> master class of tone in that way what well, kind of shows you how differently scenes like the the opening scene of basic instinct would play right and stuff like that and how it's like in this it justifies that yeah. and gives you a sense of like why a character like this uh not necessarily needs to do it but maybe felt pressured into doing it yeah and there's so many wonderful scenes of tension that play with your expectations particularly the first time they go out to the cliff at night mm-hmm. and you're so sure you know what's going to happen you're so sure you have this character figured out and that she's you know going to kill him yeah but she embraces him. It's an unbelievable <laughs> shot, too. Such a great shot. Yeah. <laughs> and the, and it's like one of those moments like it's about this. Oh, I get I get you, movie. Right. I, I, I see I see I see how you're twisting the notes here in, in such a clever way. Yeah. yeah. Uh this is gonna sound like a really weird comparison. it's number nine on my list, and it's due for a rewatch because I think it could climb much higher. Yeah, I, I think. think it was uh, great. Yeah. Uh, but you you remember the first time you watched Big Lebowski? Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're like Okay, this is kind of a cool vibe, but what the hell is going on? And you're you're focused so much on the central mystery that mm-hmm. you missed the point. And That's true, yeah. You know, Park, you know, he he makes a lot of decisions behind the camera. This is a considered movie. Oh my god, this movie is so heavily directed down to the edits. You know, like the editing structure is so unorthodox. You know, months will go by and it will feel like minutes. Um, you know, uh, characters will, uh, you know, change romantic partners and change careers or whatever. And like, it can be hard to follow. It, it's, yeah. yeah, it's incredibly hard to follow. And like, you know, they'll sort of gloss over key details of the mystery in favor of like the sort of the voyeuristic sensual stuff. Uh, look like geography in an interesting, maybe not quite as important, but it does give you a sense of how interesting the editing is from sort of adjusting perspective in a, in a certain set piece. Like when a voyeuristic quality is happening, you'll, you know, you'll be with the lead and he'll be looking through, you know, uh, uh, a pair of binoculars and then we'll find him in the room. 
Right. To, 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 to exp- yeah, 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 right. Yeah, to, to express his, his, the, the observant nature and trying to get close to the person. And God, what an interesting choice. So there's uh, all, but point being, there's but, all that stuff going on. And I'm so focused on the mystery. And I'm like, what's this other case that he was working? Who's this guy that he's chasing hell, yeah. on, the, on the roof or whatever? And then, like, by the end of it, I realized, oh, this is so besides the point. Yeah. And it's this conversation that they have on the phone at the end. Um, and, you know, what she does on the beach that is the reason for the movie's existence. And um, I think if I can go back and watch it again and ignore the plot and just sort of take in the vibes, uh, it, it would really grow in my estimation. But, um, yeah, it's... It's pretty fucking remarkably directed. Oh my god! It's it it's I don't know how they do it. It's just one of those things where it's like this guy was born to make movies. Yeah. Because again, the, the decision making for, for cinematically is just nothing like what I expected. Particularly again with the with like, even just with the editing for how characters off themselves. Like remember the rooftop scene uh-huh. where it's like they don't they don't show the the character jumping off. Right. He's just gone. Right. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> to express like the, the 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 very sudden nature of that idea, it's just like oh my god, I it because I mean my, my thing is like well you got to show it right, you right. got to show, it, but the fact that they don't, yeah, what the movie doesn't show you is as remarkable as what it does. Yeah, yeah. and it shows you a lot, by the way. Uh, I saw a behind the scenes featurette of the special effects they did. Are you aware how much of this movie is CGI and green screen? No. It's I'm, I'm going to send you the video afterwards. Like, I don't know how they fucking did this. This is like the most impressive CGI I've ever seen in a movie. Wow. Like, it's it's unbelievable. The, the I think the, the the shot that is getting the most love online is the interrogation. Um, the, it's a it's a two shot right into the mirror. Yeah. And so you see the reflection. All of that shit is done in post. Oh. That mirror is not actually there. That's a blue screen that they're doing. Really? Yes. Ooh. And it's like a slow sort of zoom out. Uh, and like the the camera changes focus at oh, times, wow. and like it, the mirror changes perspective. But like, where's the fucking camera and all of this? Like, I was asking myself as I was watching it, and it turns out all blue screen. Everything in the car, in any car, anytime a character is driving around, it's on blue screen. That's cool. Yeah, the fog at the beach at the end is all CGI. Um, the bugs that are like crawling on the dead body, that's all CGI. Um. And it's seamless. It is absolutely. Yeah, it's crazy. You wouldn't know. Yeah. Um, really? Wow. Okay. Yeah. It it's it's the best shot movie of the year for me. I mean, the cinematography here is um, amazing. There's there's not a bad shot in the movie. I mean, there really yeah. isn't. Like every shot is like there are shots shot from the perspective of the dead body. You yeah. know. Uh, there's. Uh, I, I mean, as you said, the the scene on the mountaintop at the end. Um, uh, the dead body shot with the eyeball. That's right. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about that. <laughs> yes, a great idea. All the stuff on the beach. Um, I won't give it away, but it's one of the great endings of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just, heartbreaking. Yeah, absolutely heartbreaking. A masterful fucking movie, and also, you know, I feel like when Parasite came out a couple years ago, like there was a lot of, you know, like when cinephiles would recommend it to an average moviegoer, there was a lot uh, of like apologizing in advance that you're making someone watch a foreign language oh, movie. Yeah. Sorry, it's it's got subtitles, but bear with me, it's actually entertaining. And I, I feel the urge to say that again about this movie. Like it, it's a it's an entertaining noir. Like it really does juggle so many genres and mm-hmm. 
it's 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 not homework you know what i mean no not at all it's i mean those characters are too lovely and the uh, the way it's put together is too entertaining to to really dispose of yeah i don't know just like like scene by scene this this film was both the mixture sometimes it was really funny mm-hmm. sometimes it was really you know introspective and interesting sometimes it was scary awesome movie yeah Fucking dope ass year for movies, dude. Yeah, fucking too good. It's too good. These are really good movies. That's my ninth favorite movie of the year, and I'm like any other year that could contend for number one. These are really good movies. Yeah. My next two movies might be contentious. We'll 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 see. We'll see. All right, let's see. Number four for you. No, no. I already. I just said his decision to leave. It's no, oh right. Number three for you. Oh, it's number three for me. Is Top Gun Maverick. Okay. Yeah, we talked about Top Gun okay. Maverick. Number three for you. <laughs> Well, bones and all. Dad! You didn't. When the cops get here, you have to be good and gone. I can't help you anymore. I know it's not your fault. You were born this way. You ate them. I believed you had to. I don't know why. I smelt you. I didn't know I could do that. I thought I was the only one. I don't want to hurt anybody. Famous last words. Go ahead. Um, it is. Yeah. Oh man. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, probably the movie aside from one other that I thought about the most. Was this bug that wouldn't leave me? Just think about like why it exists. Why uh, did they make this? Ins- why did anyone make any of the choices they're making in this movie? An insane, visceral, fever dream. So insane. Kind of movie. That they got the money to do this. Oh my God. So insane that someone thought this would be a good idea. Uh, crazy movie. It's super crazy to uh, even think about. Um, You'd be crazy for liking it. I loved it. I loved it. One of the best movies of the year. Well, love is a complicated thing, isn't it? I thought it, yeah, it's, I mean, I I don't know. I love a chilling road movie, for starters. I love uh, a, a, a bizarro love story in this fashion. It's near. It's near dark. But by the way, it's just, it's just mm-hmm. near, it's just near dark. But mm-hmm. um, that's okay, because near dark rocks. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I kind of love the central romance between <laughs> and the, the the interesting tug and pull between uh, what's her name? What's the the actress's name? She's uh, really great. Yeah, from um, from Waves. From way out. Oh, Taylor Russell. Taylor Russell. Oh my God. Yeah, she's she's in a running for an an anti Oscars by the way. Maybe a nomination, but she's not going to win. Mm-hmm. Um, and just that very interesting uh, kind of like. We're not good for each other, but we need each other relationship through her and Timothy Chalamet, which I really, really adored. And, you know, it, it, you know, it kind of it kind of reminded me of something that it sort of fit like the road to perdition vibe where it's like there's a there's a graphic novel feel to it in a weird way because the characters are so they're not like real people. And this is not. a Yeah, world. there's like a uh, I, I not a like wor- a, a paperback that belongs in the garbage can of an airport. It's not a world that really kind of experience. That's not the a thing wor- that I was thinking. Not a world that really exists. I was thinking this is a book that should be ripped up and fed to your dog. Ooh. That's what I thought. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, and a very violent ending. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, it's yeah. There's blood. Yeah, yeah. But uh, very. Mark Rylance is in his knickers and eats a person at one point in the movie too. That's yeah. Uh, the most yeah for me the most provocative movie of the year. Uh, uh, yeah, okay. But uh, but so provocative. But but uh, they're eating people. How yeah, dangerous. But yeah, very. <laughs> which is an all oh, these kids love eating people. Yeah, which you know take 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 whatever allegories you want to take away from that. I've seen people t- that compare it to. Uh, AIDS again I've seen people t- talk about it of course in relation to drug addiction which is probably the most obvious uh, I've seen it as like the most uh, bizarre uh, uh, coming of age story as like uh, sort of in the vein of Texas Chainsaw Massacre where it's like a, a, a subsection of America that's long forgotten that's just struggling to exist but you know we've sort of forced them out mm. in an interesting way mm. I, maybe that's what I compare it to the most and uh, <laughs> uh, and I, I guess I also just love a weird odyssey of a movie that uh, involves uh, particularly the Michael Stuhlberg and fucking David Gordon Green shit. One of the weirdest scenes in the movie. <laughs> yeah. Not your cup of tea, eh? I hated it. Wow. I really hated it. Oh, wow. It's it in my bottom 10. Damn. I, I, I really didn't care for it. Ooh, that's bad. Bottom 10? Yeah. Um... Just every choice is wrong. I don't. Okay, to begin the romance, I I just I found no chemistry to be there between the two of them. Oh no, no, I I didn't. I didn't. I didn't buy it. I didn't fucking buy it. Like I didn't understand why these two would run away together. It has a real kind of, as I said, shallow YA romance energy to it. Oh, it doesn't feel like that at all. That's that's buried inside this like artsy indie movie mm-hmm. and then there's also this really goofy horror comedy there with Mark Rylance who like what the fuck is he doing in this <laughs> like that, that character and that performance made absolutely no sense like and, and in a way he's kind of in the version of the movie that I prefer you know he's kind of in a in a movie that knows what it is more and is more like sort of self-knowing and and irreverent you know whereas yeah the movie it- that Chalamet and Taylor Russell are in is so self fucking serious it's like guys get a grip it is so it's serious, a movie yeah. about cannibals you know what i mean and like i just didn't find it sexy which is what the movie is counting on i feel like i don't dis- i disagree with that entirely i didn't find it sexy <laughs> yeah. i didn't see any spark i don't understand why these two would end up together um i found their travels and their and their their trauma to be underwhelming and not that effective um and at the end of the day, it's just so fucking stupid. It's just so stupid. Like, it just never landed. Like, I think about that shot of, of Ryan Lance in his pajamas bending over and eating the dead woman. Oh, yeah. And I just see that. And, I and like, again, like, I know what Guadagnino is trying to do there. And it's, it's just not landing. And that, I think, is maybe the most annoying quality in a movie for me is okay. when I feel the guy trying to to get me he's trying uh, to trying to just irk me and poke and prod me and i'm like eh, i think that's kind of just an ugly fucking shot and i'm and i'm not oh i see i'm just not i'm not tantalized i'm not scandalized oh I'm, ugly shot too it's i'm not provoked i none of it worked yeah that's kinda, none of this movie fucking worked on me at all and i was annoyed by it oh interesting and yeah. i and i knew you were gonna like it and look good for you man i, I i'm Bottom happy that 10, you enjoyed though, that's it. a little extreme I, it's 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 baffling to me. It's it's ba- and I know the reviews have been positive and people seem to like it and I've seen it end up on lists and it's one of the best looking movies of the year oh, for me. That's the other. Dude, I found it to be 
yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I found none of it to work. None of wow. it was calibrated properly for me. Interesting. Because, again, all the reasons you dislike it, I think I like it. Yeah, even what? the fucking ending, too. Like, like, what's that ending about? Like, what kind of, like, you know, it's not a deus ex machina, but why bring that character back? And what is that, like, that to me felt, again, very cheap YA. Like, we're, we're going to introduce the antagonist in the first act. We're going to give him a really silly motivation in the second. Does and then we're going to bring him third for in the third act for plot purposes. Well, does this feel YA? Because I've seen a lot of YA movies. This doesn't feel anything like those movies. It's got like YA youth, I guess. But the movie does not. I think feel, the script and like- the story is a YA level of quality. And I think like the movie around it is... It's, it's a twenty four bullshit. I, I don't know. Like it's, I, I it's the thing that everyone complains about with a twenty four. That I'm I'm not usually on their oh, side. Oh no, for. I mean this. I totally get it. No, it's not men, dude. It's not men. <laughs> I didn't end up seeing men, by the way. I don't know, dude. I think this has a little bit more to say about like 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 a a forgotten youth of America in particular. It's not kind to uh, American culture at all. That's that's really the big thing. It's it's this very weird like like decomposing idea of like what we used to be. And j- through the Taylor Russell and Timothy Chalamet character, and even I would actually say um, uh, um, Mark Rylance's character. My, my, funny enough, that was actually one of my criticisms of the movie. It's like Mark Rylance is playing Mark Rylance. You all don't over. eat an eater. You don't eat an eater. This yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, what is that character? I've never seen anything. Why is he in the movie? <sighs> I don't know. None of it worked. Now, obviously, it is not. Not my cup of tea. No, it is not your cup of tea. Certainly not, and I was maybe predisposed to, uh, I, no, to hate I, it. But um, hates a strong. At word. the very least, I listen. I, I everything I've seen Taylor Russell and I've loved her in and Chalamet. Listen, I've been on board. I think. Oh, he's, he's great in this. By the way, I think he's a movie star. Um, I don't know. I think he's kind of just fucking going through the motions here and. You didn't get the 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 badlands of it all because I have a f- similar relationship, or I, I see these characters in a similar light that I do with with like the characters in Badlands. I don't know. A lot of the ideas for these characters worked very well for me. I mean, particularly with the scene where she goes to see her mom, which is one of the most chilling scenes of the year, frankly. One of the most, yeah, that's a decent scene. One of the most frightening scenes I've ever seen <laughs> this yeah. year. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's decent. I, I I loved that scene. Um, it's not a movie I would recommend if that makes you feel better. Uh, it's a hard, hard, hard movie to recommend. I'd recommend it to my enemies. No. I'd recommend it to people that I wanted to have a bad time. You realize, like, there's a chance people might like this movie. It's it's done. I, I'm open done, to the possibility of that happening. It's done well with happening. critics. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I am. I am open. It's Emperor's New Clothes for me, though. I just don't. I don't, I don't see it. Yeah, you don't. You don't buy. You don't. <laughs> I, don't buy, I don't buy it. You don't vibe with it. Okay. <laughs> All right. I don't know. I don't know. I'm happy for you. I knew it was going to pop up on the list. I was ready for this, and I'm, I'm happy. I don't know, for you. dude. That that scene where Timothy Chalamet is explaining why he killed his dad and her responding to him in that scene is really good. Like it's really good stuff. It's like the one of the best scenes of the year for me. <laughs> it's like ah, Luca, you're you're the man. No, my New Year's resolution is I'm going to stop shitting on movies. <laughs> this is a great movie. <laughs> This is a very, this is a fa- fascinating road movie for I me. I knew this was coming. Um, also, yeah, like nothing else even remotely close to this. This is one. Of, this is one of the more unique film experiences of the year, next to one other. There's only one other movie that I've seen where it's like I've never seen anything like that. Number two for me. That's where we're on now. Number two.
You know, Lydia Tarr, she's so misunderstood. Oh. <laughs> that poor woman. You know, a victim of cancel culture like many <laughs> geniuses of her era. Uh, and uh, we, we demand justice for Lydia Tarr. Blanchett stars Todd Field directs. It's been 16 years. He's back with just the fucking best script I've ever seen. It's amazing. <laughs> it's uh, this movie. A, a trick of a movie for for those. Uh, uh, really great. It's number 14 on my list. Okay. Uh, great, great movie. Great, great movie that uh, I and I've said this b- before uh, on, with a couple movies uh, already. Is that like you're. Positive, it's one movie when it starts, and mm-hmm. you see the more the f- movie unspools, the more you realize, oh, this is a this is a more aggressive film than I than I thought. Yes. This is not as nice towards this. This is this isn't as complimentary of this character as I initially thought. Oh, actually, it's actually pretty funny. Oh, right, it's yeah. way funnier than I initially thought it was going to be. Yes, huh. what is this bizarre blending of tones that's surprisingly working very very well up until the final <laughs> frame, the final. frame frame of the movie which i think is a brilliant punchline it's just like <laughs> the idea that that is the final ring of dante's inferno for lydia tar like that is her hell that is where <laughs> she, she has been uh she's been ordered to serve out the rest of her life in damnation i would like to to stress by the way because uh-huh. because it does work for the character but like there's some really great video game music out there okay fine <laughs> Listen, nothing against Monster, Monster Hunter or whatever, and uh, well. I'm sure the composer of that's yeah, I'm sure great, yeah. Still though, I think the movie is uh, is asking you to to have a little laugh at her expense here, and well, the music at the very like like when it cuts to the credits, I was like, oh, this is funny. Yes, <laughs> and you know that's what the movie does to you. It makes you empathetic, and then it makes you complicit, and then it makes you a victim. Uh, you know, you're yeah. on Lydia's side, and then you're kind of off of it i mean like the scene in the lecture hall which a lot of people are calling the scene of the year and it's it's amazing the thing that is gonna win Kate blanchett her second oscar yep um you know like you're kind of on her side during that she makes a lot of good points and i think like uh you know an average viewer is gonna see that as uh they're gonna be like oh there's some interesting points in here and she clearly knows her stuff but also she's picking on this kid yeah you know who's clearly nervous and has that tick with his with his knee you know he keeps bouncing his leg up and down and mm-hmm. um so you're kind of on her side but there's a part of you where it's like oh this woman is a killer she's vicious and then by the end of it oh my god she's a monster and i've yep. been on her side and i've been helping her sort of create this web of bullshit of, of bullshit <laughs> and abuse yeah um and I've, I've been with her every step of the way every maneuver she's made I've, I've watched it uh and then by the end of it it's just asking you to laugh at her and you know it's that old hitchcock line man right like he he enjoyed playing the audience yeah. and that's what field is doing here oh yeah much like the conductor at the center of this movie he is a maestro at this oh yeah <laughs> Good job. <laughs> By the way, the, the, uh, what it's one of my favorite things about the movie is that it presents. I and I, I was joking about this with you. It's like it is designed and presented in a way where it's like the most masterpiece of masterpiece movies you've ever seen. Yes. Oh, look at this movie. It's the best. Look at the way it looks. Look at the way it's shot. It's such a perfect movie. The opening scene it, it is, is is a lecture. 
she's getting interviewed by a writer from the New Yorker and they're like talking about her process and talking about the nature and it is the most indulgent thing you've ever, ever had to sit through yeah. and it goes on and on and, and Blanchett fucking destroys this dialogue dude like she it is devours so this thing and throws it up like it's ridiculous what she does well you, you watch it and I was watching like are you fucking kidding me yeah like this is the movie we're in for like what the hell is and as the movie continue and again it frames itself as if it's supposed to be this very prestige thing but it's yes. far more cunning than you think yeah and it's far more devious that's the real thing it's like as the movie progresses like you said it is going to take the piss out of this character repeatedly and repeatedly and repeatedly until by the end of it she's back to linda yep uh which is a great it's such a great character great detail. idea yeah and they, he just sort of plays it off too like yeah. it's just this little piece of dialogue where oh that's right you're lydia now you're not linda and it's yeah. like what a just what a subtle little piece of character building and this movie is full of that shit yeah but just to remind you how big of a piece of shit this character is yes <laughs> but again it like appropriately for the film it does so in ways that are not like overtly showy it's it has to take its time to unveil that this movie is more of a satire than anything yep yeah which i didn't know going into it at all right. no one told me thank god i was just like oh it's a psychological thriller character study it's, it's gonna be like black swan that's what it looked like yes no and that's not what it is at all right that's not what it is at all it's more if anything, it's in many ways felt like what Triangle, Triangle of Sadness was trying to be in right. many ways. Yes. Uh, there, that's a movie, but that's my bones and all of the year, by the way. Uh. <laughs> yeah, fuck that movie. Yeah. Yeah. And that, of course, I think that won the Palme d'Or, right? Yeah. Just but that was a dumb as fuck movie. Yeah. <laughs> and I think I haven't seen it, so I can't comment on it. But the, the reason that I think Tar succeeds at that taking the piss out of the rich and powerful. Yeah. Um, um, idea. Is that it, it? It it really it approaches this world from within, you know. Mm-hmm. Like field, it it feels like he spent all sixteen years of his break writing the script for this movie. Yeah, it felt like every single day was spent perfecting every line. Uh, you know, there's there, there's so much detail. Like I think about that scene where you know she's listening to the recording of the orchestra played back because they're going to stream it live on Spotify mm-hmm. and they ask her if she wants to listen oh, to the yeah. wave files and instead she says no I want to listen to the mp3s because that's how the audience is going to hear it you know and just all you know the specifics of the audition and the, the process yeah, yeah. the the politics of the orchestra and also her relationship with her wife and how uh-huh. the two of these people navigated this world uh, kind of like uh uh, like the Underwoods did in House of Cards, you know, they from day one, every decision was calculated and backstabbing or whatever, but they did it together. Mm-hmm. Um, just the specificity of all of that. Like, I, I don't imagine Todd Field has spent much time in this world, but it it feels like he has been, you know, playing in an orchestra his entire life. It feels like it's like, how do you know this stuff is happening? Yes. Like, how do you know these details? Because, I mean, I, I'm always fascinated by screenplays that are dealing with subjects where it's like, there's no way the screenwriter actually, like, you know, like knows, is an, is an expert in this subject. But based on the writing, it sounds like they are, you know? Yep. I felt that, I, I've, I have felt that way about, like, like just like people who do period dramas or something like, I don't know, There Will Be Blood. It's like, how did you like like dig into this era and make it sound so authentic? Yeah. Like, because it's like, why, why, like a character to me, I believe a character would say that back in, you know, the 1830s or whatever. Yeah. But how do you know that? It's, right. it's amazing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's an unbelievable script. And yeah. I mean, you need, you need a heavyweight. You need an all time great performance in order to carry this thing because it's so much of her. And, uh, 
I'm not saying anything that hasn't been said already. It's one of the great performances I've ever seen in my life. It is oh. by, <laughs> by far and away the best performance of the year. It's uh, there is no competition. Uh, best performance you've seen in your life. I'm not sure if I. Can it's one of no. It's one. Of, sure it is, it is far, in that. But, but no, last time I felt this way, I told you was was Cape Blanchett and Blue Jasmine. Mm-hmm. I walked out of Blue Jasmine. I'm like that is. One of the great female performances I've ever seen. Yeah, I agree with and that. And she yeah. did it again to me. Like, I just, no one else can play that character, you know? Maybe Tilda Swinton could try, but she's not going to bring to it what Kate's bringing to it no. here. Um, yeah, every every line is a fastball, you know? Yeah. Every line is just right down the middle. It's a strike right in the zone. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> God. Even the way it plays with your expectations with her and her like new prodigy and where that's supposedly yeah. going and how the movie slowly introduces these ideas that maybe she's being predatory towards her. Yeah. I fucking love the the scene when she's uh just the, the, the poetic relationship between these visuals where she goes to the the brothel or the, the Yeah. Oh the, the, yeah. the sweat what yeah. what is it? A bathhouse, I think. Yeah. And and, and it's like, yeah, it's like a bathhouse with I think there's a there's sort of a seedy element to it. it but 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 it's like I, I imagine the character is is thinking to herself like I'm not really this bad. I'm not really grooming the you know this girl that I was that I was like teaching who who was so talented. And then when she goes to the bathhouse, she she points to the exact same spot where the person was. Yeah, with, with the, her her talent it's was. Same, yeah, and she and and it's. <laughs> And the sexual relationship is 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 solidified there, and it's like oh, and she's so disgusted with herself that she walks out. Yeah, <laughs> it's just such a great idea, such a great visual idea. I just like oh wow, wow, and and I totally and and the movie makes you believe that the character would get to this point where it's like at the beginning of the film, I never would have thought that she would do that, but at this point, I could I could see her being that depraved. It was great. Mm. Uh, yeah, really good. Uh yeah, there I could I couldn't go on and on. Todd Field knows what the fuck he's doing. Yeah, it's uh, great. he needs to make more movies. He he needs to do a couple of these a decade, not just one every twenty years. That'd be nice. I'll I'll say this like part of the reason it's not as high on it's it's not like like I I don't I don't go to this film to be like wowed with like what cinema is capable of. I, but in terms of what you could do as a writer, mm-hmm. that's really where the magic of this film is held up. Yeah. And then the wonderful, wonderful performance by Kate Blanchett. Those are the two things to go see the film for, you know. Yeah. All right. That's Tar. Tar. That's yeah. my number two. I told you I'm a little chalky this year. Very chalky. Yeah. Number two. Number two. Your number one could not be more chalky. Yeah. By the way. <laughs> I know. Yeah. <laughs> number two for you, sir. All quiet on the Western Front. It uh, it was my twenty four, and I, I it's not a knock on the movie. I again, I told you, I, I love like twenty to twenty five of these movies. It just, uh, I mean, just not a pleasant experience in any way, shape, or form. And maybe no. that was just the tiebreaker for me. Uh, yeah, but like, like it's it's a it's a great movie. It's, it's pretty it's pretty well made. Um, way better than I thought it was going to be. I thought I would like it, but I didn't think it would stay as high as it is. Um, taking a lot of cues from Come and See, in my opinion, 
Uh, it's been a long time since I've seen a war film that was this unpleasant. I mean, and as as has been said by Ebert, there's the the that that great issue where it's like spectacle will sort of inherently make your film more exciting, you know, and that kind of takes away the anti-war of it all. Um, well, no such thing as an anti-war movie. Yeah, exactly. Is, is the yeah, is yeah. The, the quote. That being in, and you know, the funny thing about come and see is that there's not the thing about that movie is that there's not much spectacle. It's like they're just you, you what you witness are atrocities. And yeah, that's it's going to be easier to to play into the anti-war elements in that way. It's more challenging in a, in a sense to present spectacle, which this movie does, and still make it quite unpleasant and horrifying and make you want to get the fuck out of there the second you see the image. And I think this movie does that very, very, very well. Because, yeah, almost every war film I've seen where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm horrified by it, but there is somewhat of an excitement to it that's hard to identify, but it's there. And in this one, it's like... Bro, fuck this. <laughs> fuck this shit. <laughs> I, 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 I want to get the hell out of here right now. I want to. I want to run back there. I want to dig myself into this trench. Um, just to, yeah, it's a, it's 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 a barrage of a movie. There's once they get to the the Western Front, it really kind of is nonstop like muck and coldness, and this really really fascinating like like. Uh, uh, degradation of one's national spirit. (laughs) That was that was the thing. It's like like it does a great job at framing like the brightness and the joy of this character at the beginning. And I knew by the end of it, he was just going to be devolved as a person. But the the contrasting imagery, but between like the single shot of him like cheering at his 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 general to just the dead inside look he has with when a similar general it might even be the same general at the very end is giving a speech oh yeah i'm not sure uh and just that look he has after his friend just died it's just like that great wonderful arc it takes a long time to get there but every little piece is felt and it's not simple at all like it just it take like these these strokes are are sometimes nuanced it could just be as simple as you know someone falling in love with a picture of a girl that was drawn, not even a photograph. Mm-hmm. That's enough to break your spirit a little bit more. Mm-hmm. It could just be the sight of someone's teeth rotting away. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes it's not even the blood and gore. It's just walking into a room where people accidentally died of, of gas. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, no, no real rhyme or reason to it. They just died. Yeah. And the, <laughs> and the movie is it, it it's sort of in, insisting on this sort of mindlessness and, and sort, sort of like effectively numbing qualities of war in a way that hasn't, God, when's the last time this was felt in a movie? A couple things. So we we should mention, by the way, this is a remake, a German language remake. I'm not really. It's I it's more of another adaptation a, yeah, of I, the book, right? Because there's it's the third adaptation of the book. I don't really consider it a remake of the one uh, was 19. I think 29. I think it's that. Or I think it's 29. Wow, good yeah. movie too. I love that. Original. Love that movie. Yeah. Um, I'm not a big like student of war. I don't. I don't really like. I don't know. It's just not one of my interests. I'm not really like a, a big historian when it comes to World War One and World War Two. What do you want to know about World War One? Well, I've, I've since seeing this movie, I've done a little bit of digging. It's it's a movie that inspired me to kind ah. of uh, to learn more. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a fucking pointless war that was. Yep. Why, why did we do that to each other? What the fuck was that all about? Like, it's wild. Dick measuring contest. Yeah, I mean, absolutely wild that they fought over territory that moved no more than 100 to 200 meters. Yep. In either direction. Yep. 
Uh, and the movie, so I'll, I'll say this. Um, I think part of my reservations with the movie as I was watching it is they juggle between the stuff on the ground and the stuff in rooms, the decisions that are made, yep. you know, with, with the generals and the, and the people in power. Uh-huh. Uh, and, and that to me, I don't know, for some reason I, I wasn't able to quite find my footing because they jump between it a lot. But what those scenes do is emphasize how silly this all is and how pointless and in vain this effort is. Just the fact that they're meeting in that context. Yes. Like button, buttoned up generals that it's like all of the things we're fighting for are happening right now and our, our guys are killing each other over there but we're just going to have this conversation yeah. <laughs> to see if we can work things out. Right. As our guys are getting run over by tanks. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that they set a time for oh the and, right yeah. Um, the, the whole. The armistice. Yeah the, the, the whole, whole yeah, last yeah. half hour is yeah. insane but um yeah, what it really does is sort of zooms out and is like, this is really for nothing. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I don't I don't know if, you know, I'll, I'm sure a lot of war movies, they talk about the sort of um, the, uh, the 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 sort of base human emotions that are at, at play and and uh, how broken the souls at, at the center of these wars have to be in order to murder their fellow man. But I'm not sure I always get like uh, that feeling of like, why? You know, it, it's very rare that a, that a war movie zooms out and, and asks why, you know, uh, and that's what this movie is kind of about. You know, it's about how pointless this, this all is. Well, that's the thing. Like it like I think I think there are plenty of examples that say why, but normally the why has to is it's it's often for like I'm fighting for the guy next to me, which mm-hmm. is fine. Yeah, it's camaraderie. You know, right. Yeah. I'm fighting for the moms at home, like in the case of Saving Private Ryan. Yes. Um, you know, Dunkirk, there's a sense of national yeah, pride when exactly. like, the cavalry finally comes. Right. There's this sense of like honor to like your your individuality and how that relates to your country as a whole and right. stuff like that. Um, but this movie is God, it's so bleak and so mm-hmm. cynical. And the why, because the, the, it does ask that why, and it says, no reason. Yeah. It basically says, you are all stupid, and it's important that you understand that you're all stupid for doing this. Everything you just did here was a huge mistake. Mm. <laughs> and it's not it's not making fun of these characters. It's not going that far to like like satirize like, you know, fucking veterans or anything like that. But but it, it it's God, it is quite condemning. It is, it is extremely critical of like the whole purpose of this type of fighting and this, this war in particular. Uh, and it, and it's it it's it's sad. It's like because it, the movie by the end of it, it convinces you like guys, you were wrong the entire time, and that's a hard thing for movies like this to admit. Because mm-hmm. uh, so often it's like you, you, there's sympathy and love for the people who were fighting for this thing. And maybe this would be harder to do in a World War II movie because that's a war that where it's like we were fighting against evil. Yeah, that's a necessary evil. It's a mes- to, yeah. yeah right. So so if you're gonna take the anti-war approach, you have to kind of uh, tackle something that was truly pointless mm-hmm. uh, in order to examine like the the uh, the weird contradictions of human nature. Where it's like we want everything to be good, so we do that by killing each other. Yep. Yep. Uh, and that's basically the whole movie and basically reminding us that we're, we're stupid and we're, we're kind of animals for doing that to each other. Yeah. Another thing I don't often see in war movies, stabbing. Oh, stabbing. How about that? The crater scene. Fuck that crater scene. The film is literally about stabbing. Oh yeah. Thank you, Gene. Uh, God, the crater scene. That scene. Okay. There, it's one thing to shoot a guy from 200 yards away or whatever, like, it's it's one thing to shoot the enemy without being able to make out his face, you know. It's 
it's a whole other thing to engage in hand-to-hand combat with a, with a fellow human being and murder them. Like, that scene is a murder, you know? Yes. Um, I guess all war is murder in, in many ways. I'm not trying to get philosophical about it or whatever, but, like, that uh, that was striking. It's that, not pleasant. It's That's rough. Like, it, it, I've, I've, okay, I've said this... I said this before. I like 1917 a lot. It's a good movie, but like this thing eats that movie's fucking lunch. Oh my god, it's, it's in a different stratosphere. Oh my god, yeah. it's there is just nothing, nothing, nothing satisfying about any of this stuff that goes on in a good way, but not satisfying. Like you just think of like 1917 in the sea where he like he trips over, he puts his hand in a guy's gut, and that's like kind of like ew, that's gross, right? And like like this, it's like, no, take that seriously. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really fucked up that we're even at this point. Yep. Oh, my God. The, 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 the proximity of uh, the intimacy of the war in this to the flamethrower sometimes. Oh, my God. The fucking flamethrower scene. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The stabbing scene is rough. Very from the book. Uh, that was another, I was I was hoping it, it played slightly differently. But uh, that's one of those scenes that I hope they would update in a really chilling fashion. And they. They didn't disappoint at all. That was that was tough. Again, it's like such an interesting like like deconstruction of the 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 fighter's mentality. Where it's like you'll be going at it, but like let's let's introduce a scenario where you're not going to kill him instantly, mm-hmm. and you're not gonna you know you're you're gonna be right there with him, which could happen in war. Like it, it, it's like they say, okay, give him a knife. So what happens in this scenario? It's like oh. Well, he'd probably try to help the guy, wouldn't you? Yep. And what does that do to you when you know he's going to die? It's, mm-hmm. it's like, oh my God. And then, you know, obviously he has belongings on him. And then you see the picture of him and his family. What does that do to you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just all the, it, this is the thing. It's like, it, it's, it's this big, you know, explosive, violent thing. But the details here mm-hmm. are quite brilliant in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And it is one of the better war movies I've seen for that reason. There's like it's yeah, it's 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 a it's a proper painting. Yeah, there are broad strokes, but look closely and it's like, oh God, look at that decision the artist made there. That's so it just makes the whole thing. Mm-hmm. It's just great. Yeah. It deeply, deeply moving and unsettling. It's a hard watch. It's not easy. It's very long. Uh but yeah, one of the most effective anti war films I've ever seen. And uh by the way. Um, it's not gonna. I don't think it's gonna get every, any love for this, and it pisses me off. The score, yeah. I you it's know so the interesting. score. I wasn't sure at first. So <laughs> so interesting. Yeah, there's like a heavy metal kind of score here. It's, it's it's a it's a synth actually. It's a drone. A very, which is like weird and deep and growly and yeah. almost industrial. Yes, it feels like a monster. Yes, which is what I loved. And it's it's shocking. You hear it, and it's like, whoa, that's not at all what I expected this to be. Yeah. And it grew on me tremendously. Yeah, yeah, I think it grew on me too. That was another thing as I was watching the movie. It's like, oh, this is, again, it's taking me out of it because it's very modern sounding. Yeah. It, yep. It's got like a sort of garage band quality to it. But it also sounds otherworldly to me. Yes. It's not easily See, Yeah, and I have a hard time, like yeah. when I'm watching period movies, like that's why one of my big pet peeves in all of movies is when, uh, a, like, like in Peaky Blinders does this, for example, you'll hear like, modern British pop music oh, yeah. in, in a period drama. And this is not a, a pop um, song that's playing throughout uh, the this movie, but there, there's a modern sensibility to like, you would never have recorded a song like that in the 1920s. It, yeah, it's, it's almost anachronistic. Too. Yes. Now, you wouldn't have recorded a Hans Zimmer score in the 1920s either, but no. for some reason, like I'm not taken out of it when his music plays in these movies. But I don't know, there was something about that where it's like, this is really... This is updating it with a sort of modern, sleek 
sensibility that I don't know. I was a little thrown off. For sure. No, it definitely you're it it throws you off balance in a way that I actually kind of I kind of like, though, like you're you're you you you're immediately thrown off center and you don't find your footing and it's it's the first time you're i'm talking about the um the brown 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 yeah the, that the motif yeah yeah, yeah yeah that thing and the first time we get that is where they're um uh showing the uh, the coats mm-hmm. and the and the the uniforms and they're just they're just dead people's coats and they're just sewing them back together and ripping off the name tag which is I never consider that. That's right, exactly. What happens to the uniforms? Such right. a fucked up detail. But right. like, oh, it's such a great idea. It's such a great way to start the movie. Yeah. But it, but again, starts you off with something new and fresh. And it's like, no, it, it kind of immediately reminds you that we're going to show you a perspective that you're not used to seeing here mm-hmm. and get used to it, buddy, because you're in for a ride. Mm. Uh, yeah. And as it, as it progressed, it was it was new and different. But I but it actually ended up working on me so well that it became one of my favorite scores of the year. OK. <laughs> yeah. Loved it. All right. Yeah. Yeah, uh, good movie. Yeah, very good movie. Yeah. Good movie. Glad it's here. Me too. Uh, not glad that we fought World War One. That was <laughs> a bad idea. <laughs> you, you just did a bunch of research afterwards. And then, That's my opinion. And it's unclear who like who even. No, it's kind of a stalemate, maybe ish. Yeah. yeah, it's like kind of how I felt after I lost my fantasy football championship this year. You like, know? what's the point? Yeah, just like I climbed all the way up the mountain and the the, the Western Front didn't even move that much, you know? Did, essentially didn't move at all. Yeah. What was the point of all that, you know? Can I give you an, a, a, a funny story about how stupid that war is? So there there was a um there was the the great um um I I don't I forgot what the actual name of it is, but it was like a ceasefire during Christmas time where both sides right, yes. just decided Eh, it's Christmas. Yes. Let's just uh, meet up and meet in no man's land. Right. Not bother killing each other and play soccer. Right. And have tea. Right. The generals, yeah, the, but, but opposing sides go to like chill and hang out. Right. What? <laughs> yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. It's so funny to me. We have like a, a like a you know we have these these alliances and like treaties and shit where like we write the rules of war yeah there's like seven nations that just get together and we just decide all right we're we're not gonna use gas anymore in war guys yeah it's like what (laughs) what are we talking about why are we why does this need to be discussed i know here's a good rule no more war yeah exactly (laughs) how about that i'd like to be the guy in that meeting just raise my hand how about we take the killing out of war how about that how about it's just arm wrestling from now on who is this guy yeah. Get him the fuck out of here. We don't, we don't want him here. Who's that? No, no, I'd raise my hand. What are we doing? No war? What did you, what? Uh, no, just a thought. <laughs> yeah, anyway, don't get it. All right, here we go. Uh, yeah. Let me recap here the list, uh, my top 10 list. Number 10 is Senior. Number nine, Decision to Leave. Number eight, Funny Pages. Number seven, Banshees of Inisherin. Number six, Nope. Number five, Cha Cha Real Smooth. Number four, After Sun. Number three, Top Gun Maverick. Number two, Tar. It's an uh, anagram for art. I don't know if you realize that. Oh, cool. It's also an anagram for rat. It is. Ah, cool. Lydia Tar also a daily rat is the anagram. I guess that's true. Yeah. Uh, and the number one movie of the year, according to me, and will therefore be the official record on the matter. Uh, Spiely, my goodness. He Spiely. is back. Yeah. With the Fablemans. Now remember this. When the horizon's at the bottom, it's interesting. 
When the horizon's at the top, it's interesting. When the horizon's in the middle, it's boring as shit. Now, good luck to you. And get the fuck out of my office. You know, you sometimes take these guys for granted. You do. And, uh, you know, I've had my gripes with Spielberg over the years, but, I mean, he, he this is one of my favorite Spielberg movies. Uh, my, boy, oh, I don't know where, it's a, it's an A-tier Spielberg film, uh, that's all I'll say. Yep. You know, I don't know if it's my, I don't know if it's in my top ten, it's close. Um, I don't think I like it as much as Catch Me If You Can or Munich, but, damn, it's, it's up there. It's maybe tied with Munich. Okay. Just, ugh, God, I mean, Munich. Another Kushner and, collaboration. Yeah, M- Munich and Catch Me If You Can are very, very, very close, so it's like right there in, in the, in that trio, but, mm-hmm. uh. I do, but I also love uh, West Side Story as well. I mean, he's he's been doing very, very, very well. West Side Story is the better, like like cinematic achievement. Yeah, that, I mean, that's um, just, I mean, it's just a perfect gymnastics routine. Yes, that it's, movie. It, it, it's, it's just incre- yeah. yeah, everything that he can do behind the camera, he shows off. As as a director, it's, it's in you know as a Spielberg film uh, conducting a directorial feat. It's that's that's more the modern Spielberg film. I would personally point to, but this is a more uh, unique film for him I would say in in a sense just that like it, it's it's a very very well directed film but that's not quite what I think of when I think of this movie mm. it's just amazing to see Spielberg be so introspective yeah yeah and that's definitely the Kushner element too uh yeah I mean listen I've I've had my you know hang-ups with you know movies like the terminal or AI or whatever where I just feel like there's so much optimism <laughs> With without much real thought put into mm-hmm. it, and you know, I I would not call Steven Spielberg a simple-minded uh, director <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. Um, Some but, might though. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah. I, but I yeah, he's certainly an optimist. All, all the movies like Munich are not optimistic in any way, shape, or form. Uh, and even something like Bridge of Spies. I mean, I don't think that really plays as like a you know wide-eyed sort of uh, you know. Uh, a triumphant tale of spycraft, you know no. what I mean? Like that's kind of a melancholy movie too. I guess the post too. You know, not my favorite thing ever, but yeah, like, the post is all right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, I did not think that he was capable of reaching back into his childhood and uh, finding this many contradictory ideas. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I, I was not expecting this movie to be as messy as it is and i guess that was emotionally messy sure yeah, yeah. and that i guess was the charm of it you know like guys like you and me adam like uh we love movies we do love movies we're fans of them like i, I would hope i love movies i'm watching a hundred of them god damn it yeah otherwise i'm not sure what this was all for <laughs> it's all a big world war one podcast yeah <laughs> <laughs> you know um and i i think about that quite a bit because i think about movies constantly like they're in my head all the time. And that's, you know, part of the reason why I do this podcast, part of the reason why I write about them. It's part of the reason why I watch them. It's just, I, I can't escape them. And is it love? Yeah, it's love, but it ain't always joy. No, it ain't always happiness. It ain't always wonder. And I think the recent streak of movies by aging auteurs, movies like Belfast, movies like Armageddon time, uh, movies like Roma, I think all take a similar approach to that subgenre of movie, uh, which is, uh, whoa, the magic of cinema. And there's 
uh, there's the scene in all of these movies, and the scene is in The Fablemans, although it's played differently, but there's that scene of the young boy sitting in the middle of the theater, seemingly in the perfect spot to shoot them, uh, with like the reflection of the color in his eyes going, whoa, the magic of Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, or you know, the magic of outer space, or whatever. Um, and that it doesn't begin to capture what movies are. And it doesn't begin to capture what movies are to me, at least. I was going to say, it doesn't begin to capture what the relationship to movies really are if you love them. If you truly love them. It's not about just liking movies. It's about, like, the the romance of the movie is uh, one's relationship towards film. Yes. Really. Right, and that is is the love story here. Yes, yeah. Uh, This movie begins, Sammy Fableman, in line with his parents, played by Paul Dano and Michelle Williams, uh, they're seeing The Greatest Show on Earth, a movie I haven't seen. Me um, either, unfortunately. But I, I think I need to get around to seeing yeah. it. it. It's it's often referred to as the one of the worst Best Picture winners. Uh, but the scene that they played in this, I thought was really good. But uh, Sammy Fableman is sitting there and... He's terrified. He's terrified by the thing on screen. But also in awe of it. He's in awe, but it's like, it's danger. It's scary. Like, he can't speak on his way home. And he has this urge now to conquer the moving image. Yep. It's like, again, it's so much more complicated than what you're seeing in Belfast, right? Like, it's just, there's there's so much happening there. And it's it's this thing, it's this demon that's haunting him that he needs to gain control over and the entirety of his childhood is devoted to that, right? And what comes of it is great art that inspires yes. people and 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 makes uh, you know captive audience members of his family and friends. But to him, no, like he's just trying to work through shit. You know, yeah. <laughs> ultimately, film is the thing that exposes his mother's infidelity. Yep. Spoiler alert, right? It's the thing that breaks his family apart. You know, uh, it's the thing that makes friends into bullies and bullies into friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a thing that he abandons because it's ruined his life. It's it's, yeah. uh, and it's a thing that he comes back to because he has no other choice but to come back to it. Um, yeah, you know, like I, I think it's, of course of the scene where his parents are getting divorced. Yeah, and he's sitting there and his sisters are sobbing and it's it's incredibly traumatic to to have to sit through. But uh, Spielberg puts a shot of young Sammy Fableman filming the event yeah this is the hardest scene for me to watch uh i mean like if that if that ain't what's at the heart of every filmmaker like if that isn't it you know yeah it uh, boy yeah as, as someone who's who's you know who's made little short films and stuff like that and still still does it from time to time yeah i do this all the time right. <laughs> i do this all the time and i don't like it yep. but but you horrible things happen in your life and you think to yourself how would i shoot this you literally imagine yourself doing it and that's the very strange thing and it's like this weird like thing where it's like am i fucked up for thinking that how vain is this fuck that shit but you can't really help it and i don't know why but it's just the way it is um I've never seen a movie talk about it before. And that's the really touching thing. It's like, oh my God, like, like, I mean, I don't know why I was even questioning Spielberg for getting it, but he gets it. Of course yeah, he gets it. Right. Of course, of he course gets- no one else gets it more than he <laughs> exactly. would get it. There's no one on the planet, you know? And you and I watch a lot of movies and think about movies, but my goodness, we don't, we have not thought about movies in the way that he, this man has. And nope. the worst thing we make will never be as good as, the best thing we make will never be as good as the worst thing that he makes, you know? Like, it's, of course he gets it. 
but it's so weird. I mean, this film is about a ton of things, but for but usually when you see a movie that is so about the movies and like you said, the magic of movies, you know, this movie doesn't really escape being very strictly about like what movies are capable of, but being so profound in the process. Because you're right, usually it just comes off as like like. I don't know, schmaltzy and cheap and just simple, yeah, simple-minded. And this one says, no, there's some, there's something really interesting going on here when you focus so much time and attention and love on movies. And when that shapes your life, it's more, it's more than just a blind love. It, it can be a whole complicated set of layers that are going to turn you into something good, potentially. Potentially. Well, I don't but know. Also, I, I mean... But, but, but also quite... Uh, complicated yeah good i mean i don't know I'm not, I'm, I'm not i don't know if that's the takeaway uh, well, i mean it's well, kind of a happy ending but no but that's the, like like good in the sense that it keeps you going because the film is the thing ultimately that does keep him going yeah he has to he has to yeah. i mean he has no choice but it is an optimistic ending it's not it's not a cynical yeah, ending it does sure. it does say like at the end of the day if you just stick to you know what you love because <laughs> it's not film is not the only thing he loves it also like he does find a way to get a handle on both his parents and film and sort mm-hmm. of reconcile the, the relationship he has between the two. Mm-hmm. Kind of. But even like those last couple scenes with his sure, parents, yeah. like the last scene with his mom where she's like, I need you to forgive me for mm-hmm. slapping you on the back that one time because my children mean everything to me. Yep. Uh, just, uh, Great scene. I mean, ugh, my goodness. Yeah, tough. And then the, the one of the scenes that's getting a lot of love, of course, is, is the one with the bully in the hallway, so which I, 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 I just... Didn't see that one coming. <laughs> God, I fucking love that idea. That idea that like... Sammy doesn't know his own power like he doesn't he truly he knows what he's doing on a on a deeper level on a subconscious level but like he really doesn't know why he does it he doesn't know why he decides to portray this guy in that way uh he speculates but he's not sure and the bully doesn't know why it makes him feel so awful about himself yeah uh and watching those two characters work through it out loud (laughs) yeah I mean, again, that's 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 fucking movies. You know what I mean? Like that's art. I was just about to say that is the art of film. It's like that's film yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the weird like there there is that weird intuitive side to it that right. you act upon. Yeah, there's a language that I'm speaking, and I don't know exactly. Like I can't you translate the language. I can just speak it. You you're know? speaking it without speaking. It's you know yeah. you could you could call a discipline, but you can't teach it. Right. It's just you know. You 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 harness it. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's 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 it's hard to explain, but that's kind of what it is. Yeah, you can work through it. You can work through it, but you know, in the moment, it's maybe something else. Uh, and yeah, I was just yeah that that's again one of the things that this movie does so well is I guess someone who's been surrounded by movies their entire life feels like they have a good understanding of what movies are and how they work still finds a way to introduce new ideas that I didn't fully consider. That was like that scene in particular, just yeah. so smart. Right. Great great script. Pro- this is what I will. Say. Say. Even it's, it's an unbelievable script. Cinematically, if if you're looking for the best best cinematic experience from a Spielberg film in recent years, for me it's West Side Story. But if you want the best script he's worked with in I don't fucking know how long, yeah, it's, it's, it's not even close. Yeah, it's it's it's, 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 it's crazy that 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 this doesn't come across as indulgent or no. like um, yeah, it, it, it that it doesn't come across as a therapy session. You know, no. So many of these movies feel like you're sitting in the therapist's office, just working through it with the guy, and uh, it's it's not that at all. He's he's more honest than I expected him to be. Yeah. But you know what it feels like though? It feels like he has come to these conclusions a very very long 
time ago. And maybe he just came through it uh, just by making so many movies. And it's like Spielberg's been at a good place for a while. It's just it hasn't really occurred to him to finally tell the story well, in many ways. I know part of it, he, he was waiting for his parents to die. Yeah. That was part of it. He's like, I can't make this movie while they're alive because like, I mean, he doesn't really take shots at them. I think like it's a pretty loving portrait of it both is. of them, but he gets into some personal shit that he'd always sort of danced around. I mean, he danced around it in E.T. You know, he danced around it in Close Encounters, but it's, it's a, oh my, it's a film he would have told like if he was okay with with making this movie while his parents were li- alive, he would have made it way earlier. But I'm not sure he would have had the same perspective on it, though. I'm no. not. I'm not sure it would have been as healthy. I think it would have been a lot more of an open wound if he made it in the 80s or 90s. You know? Yeah, it would have been tougher. But they, who knows? Maybe it would have been more like Bombbox, uh, Squid and the Whale, in that way. I don't right. Know, you know? Well, a perfect fucking example, yeah. right? Like, yeah. If, if E.T. is Squid and the Whale, uh, this one is Marriage Story. Yeah. You know? Sure. 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 Uh, he's finally aged out of it and um, and yeah I mean it must have taken a lot of work though it must have taken a lot of work to work through that trauma every fucking movie he's ever made even the even the ones you don't expect Jurassic Park is about his parents (laughs) (laughs) for God's sake right it is it literally is yeah it's like why can't you just why can't you two get married already and raise these kids right why can't you sign just make a nuclear family it's true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then the, the ending of the year. The ending of the year. Oh, man. I mean. I mean, well, for what? For the for the final shot or the the, the, the David, scene, the David Lynch of it all for us. It's the, it's the end of the. It's, oh, it's, it's for, uh, come on. It's the fucking best. <laughs> it's amazing. I walked out of that scene levitating. Yeah, I, no, I did. When I left the theater, I'm like, I can't believe they used him in this way. We had both heard the story before the John Ford story. He told it in the Spielberg uh, documentary on HBO. Yeah. It's a great story. Uh, it's a great story, but he kind and he, he kind of changes. He rewrites the legend every time he tells it yeah, a little bit. This is the closest, the, the most consistent version I've seen, though. He's, yeah, this. Uh, <laughs> This, this scene is it's amazing here's the thing by the way just the fact that he cast david lynch as the greatest director of all time right that's the line in the movie right says a lot about how uh, spielberg feels about david lynch as well it's, it's an unbelievable performance very specific ca- cast everybody's going crazy about judd hirsch in this and i think judd hirsch is very good, very good. it's, it's yeah. a it's a really memorable scene another scene too which is just like listen kid you got no fucking choice you're carny trash like me and you got to do this yeah um and it's yeah no and it's gonna ruin your life but whatever you have to just roll with it because there's no other choice and your mother will hate you if you don't um (laughs) yep just my god this guy is just letting it all hang out here uh everybody's talking about his cameo i I feel it's great it's great it's great i I feel like lynch here is what a brilliant casting decision there incredible casting decision uh, it's like again the, the the amount of love and respect that Spielberg has to have for Lynch to to do this, even though I know that Lynch didn't want to do this. Yeah, uh, he's like, <laughs> I think we told this story in the other pod, but he's like, all right, fine, I'll do it, but I need to wear the costume for a week in advance. <laughs> you fucking kook. But what a great light bulb moment! Like, like yeah. what it just what it just means. Like, first of all, it's just like physically, it's great casting. Personality wise, it's great casting, but like. The the meta quality to it too. Mm-hmm. I just I can't I cannot get enough of. Yeah. I can't. I, I've I've always been in love with the story of Spielberg saying like David, look, uh, we're getting to the point where just as many people have seen a Razorhead as those who have seen Jaws. Okay. Mm-hmm. D- you know we're it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> people love your shit. Yeah. It's uh, uh, it's sick. And the final shot. I mean it. It's cute. 
It's cute. There are there <laughs> there are definitely cornier ways to do it, and I feel like that there was. I guess originally he was going to yell cut. Spielberg was going to yell cut, and you were going to hear his voice. Uh huh. I like this version better than that. It's yeah, I do. I think it's I think it's 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 very good as well. I don't know. This might be better. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's it's truer to what a movie is by the way so for it to like you take you out of it in that way it's like it's yeah it's like he's and he's at this age he is thought of as one of the three or four most important directors in the history of american cinema mm-hmm. and uh he's still not sure you know he's still a little anxious about where the camera's got to go of course you're always gonna be yeah right there's the, there's nothing more i don't know about filmmaking than where the hell are you placing the camera mm-hmm. You know, I, I always say, because uh, people have asked me this question before, and I'm just like, there's a thousand correct ways to shoot a scene, uh, and there are a thousand correct ways to shoot a scene that you haven't discovered yet. Mm-hmm. So just go for it. Right. <laughs> and just, and pick the least bad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> Basically. <Yeah. laughs> Whatever feels like the least bad. You, you, you might think it's going to be perfect, but guess what? It's not perfect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. That's, it's, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, it's the, a, the one movie I gave five stars this year. That's it. Yep. That's oh it. boy. Uh, I, that's it. It's what I give an all quiet five stars. Pretty damn close. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. I don't know. This next one gets five stars. Go ahead. It's after sun. <laughs> my top three are are in that place because they are so wholly unique uh they are so specific they're so specific to you know the the you know the vision they're creating i've never seen anything like my top three um i've never seen movies as effectively what they are you know that line of genius you know the most genius is the one that's best at what is it the oh uh um the the genius is he who is most like himself yep there you go yep uh, could not be more true for After Sun. Yep. Let, let me tell you, just um, boy, where to even begin with this movie? Charlotte Wells directorial debut, one of the most assured directorial debuts I've seen in the last ten years. I described it to you on the phones. Like I have never been this impressed by a debut since The Witch. I think yeah, it is remarkable. Yeah, I mean h- how much command she has over the subject matter, and it. Feels like a movie she's been thinking about her entire life. I don't know how much of this is autobiographical. She claims that it's personal, but not quite autobiographical. Okay. So, and listen, uh, I'll take her at her word. If it has nothing to do with her own life, I am more impressed by it. Oh my uh, god! But it, like, it feels it feels like a story she has lived, um, and mm. it feels like it's been something that's been eating at her for a while. Uh, Certainly, the ideas have been eating at her for a while. Yeah. I. I oh. 
It is a film. I said it to you. It's a film that kind of stole my heart when I saw it. I have, it's a killer. It it it's broke, an absolute killer. It broke me. Yeah, and, and uh, it 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 moved me to my core. It is such a perfect rumination on memory, mm-hmm. uh, in a way that's kind of uncanny. How does one portray a memory? I don't know, but she did it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was thinking about I this. Know. I think we were talking about this too. Like. You get memory sequences either in corny flashbacks or in like Lynchian uh, dream montages, you know, like how do you portray a broken memory authentically, you know, and uh, she does that. She does that by, you know, shooting the scene slightly off kilter and putting the camera where the characters are kind of hidden behind other objects and through mirrors and through the reflections on TVs and well that's the thing no you're right and like like for example like like being honest about like 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 it sounds weird to say but like the placement of a character is very important to to an authentic memory and like for example the the dad behind the glass outside most movies would cut outside and have us hear the conversation mm-hmm. that might be fine but it wouldn't necessarily portray the memory of this child accurately mm-hmm. or give that strange sense of mystery that this child has and part of the reason why that memory in that instance is important is because she doesn't quite know what he's talking about Mm -hmm. until later on she kind of is able to piece it together that there was something really bad going on here Mm -hmm. uh and the movie is just kind of reconciling with the details that you missed right in my opinion yes yeah right and it's kind of unclear to me at times whether these are simply broken memories and you know like um the framing device of this movie. Well, we should explain what the premise is. So, uh, mm-hmm. young Irish girl goes on holiday. Scottish girl. Scottish girl <laughs> goes on holiday with her uh, her father. The young girl is played by a newcomer, Frankie Corio, who's amazing. In this. Oh, my God. She's great. And the father is played by Paul Mescal, who uh, I know from, uh, uh, from Normal People and who you might know from The Lost Daughter. He's in that movie. Oh. Uh, with Olivia Coleman. Oh, yeah. And I had you so but you are not really familiar with his no, work, right? No. Yeah. Yeah, this guy's just got it. Great. He's just got the fucking chops. It's it doesn't and that's the thing. Yeah, you're right. It doesn't there's a lot of instances where he doesn't say much at all. I mean a lot of the movie he's kind of quiet because he's holding so much in. Yeah. Uh but God he's communicating so much pain and sorrow. <laughs> it, the, the, it every and I don't mean this pejoratively. Every scene in many ways feels like he's just trying to get through it. Yep. Just trying to get through the scene, trying to get through the day, trying to Make sure my fucking daughter has fun. You right. Know? Yep. Uh, he's amazing, and it's a similar energy he brings to normal people. Okay. Uh, great show. Lenny Abramson directs, I think, most oh. of those episodes. Uh, anywho, <laughs> what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So they go on holiday, and there's a framing device where the young girl in the future is revisiting some of like the VHS camcorder recordings mm-hmm. um, and also going through pictures and trying to piece together something about this holiday. And it's not entirely clear what until the end. And even then it's not completely clear. They kind of leave it ambiguous. Um, but well, this is kind of a spoiler, but not really. I, I think it becomes clear by the end that this is the final time she sees her father. Yeah. And she's trying to figure out what happened. Yes. She's revisiting 
a memory that and at the time was not the most important memory that she was going to have or the most uh, right. life-changing set of set of circumstances. It's or, a fun vacation, but yeah, it's yeah. kind of whatever. It's it's a it's kind of boring. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's not really, you know. It's it's what yeah, it's it's it is it is a memory that's just kind of average. Yes. with with, with setup and everything and just what happens and then by the end of it we realize that it's one of the most important things that's ever happened to her. Right. And the whole movie is her, you know, piecing together why it was so important. I mean, she knows the, the, it's important to her because of what the outcome is mm-hmm. because it's implied. I mean, spoiler that the dad almost certainly kills himself. Yes. Yeah. Right. Uh, and she's thinking that, okay, what, what, you know, were there cl- essentially clues? Is there something I missed? Was I not being fair to my dad? Mm-hmm. Uh, was it me? A lot of that's a that's the one of the hardest stuff to right. Particularly the the god oh my god the the mask yeah <laughs> the mask yeah <sighs> poor girl yeah uh, stuff like that the fact that she's considering this idea that you know you know maybe just me making it harder for him was part of it maybe m- me giving him more reason to not have wanted me in the first place mm-hmm. was part of it and your mind just goes out of control thinking about this movie along with her mm-hmm. as to like why he did what he did or, wh- or why he fell off the train why he went back to his vices and you know or why he wasn't strong enough to keep going yeah it's really tough but again the perspective it chooses it doesn't for almost all of it you are with her sort of examining with her mm-hmm. and looking at all these interesting perspectives with her uh distracting you sometimes in great ways sometimes it's not you know it will turn away from the dad to just see oh what's going on over here with these friends in a pool Ooh, i'm going underwater to see them making out and that's mm-hmm. fun uh, yeah, there's a little bit of coming of age a little bit, yeah. there and it's it's yeah, it's it's all very it's all very minor and innocent. Like mm-hmm. there's not like there's not a ton of stakes to, you know, the sort of the interpersonal stuff with um the other preteens and stuff. But S- seemingly, yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. Um it's funny, the other movie I thought about as I was watching it was Taxi Driver. Oh. There's the you know that scene in Taxi Driver where uh where uh, Travis gets essentially rejected by Sybil Shepherd and he's on the phone. It's, it's um, this iconic shot, of course, where Scorsese um, pans over to the hallway. And mm. uh, you know, a lot of like, you know, a dorm room Phil Broy types will like speculate about like, is that meant to be like the emptiness of his soul or how like society is just a dingy hallway in the middle of Manhattan or whatever. And like, I've always seen that as like, uh, yeah, Scorsese just, needs to look away like he's just he can't bear to see travis go through yeah. this rejection right Has like, to, yeah. that's that's how i've always read it and i think charlotte wells is doing a similar thing here where it's like some of these memories are just too hard to look straight you know into the eyes of mm-hmm. you know and she has to kind of you know point the camera in other directions to avoid the pain of what's happening on screen yeah there's that great like corner shot where it's like it's mostly just like a blank wall but you see a little bit of the mirror right or i don't know if it's the mirror or the reflection in the tv or something like yeah, that. yeah yeah right in the tv yeah right. yeah, yeah and yeah. it's her dad it was he like doing beads in her hair i think something like that yeah well i think like and she wants to put him on camera to talk oh, about yeah. his life essentially and he he wants no part of it mm-hmm. um so you know like uh that's that to me like you know we we think about great filmmakers as like these these hard-edged <laughs> uh like uh tacticians that 
know exactly how much of a certain ingredient gets sure. poured into the cauldron and then you get this, you know, perfect medicinal product almost. You think about like the Kubricks and Hitchcocks of the world or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, you know, great directors feel bad for their characters too. You know, great directors are not made of stone. And uh, like Charlotte Wells, I, I think you kind of mentioned this already, like she she feels this movie. You know what I mean? Like yeah. th- uh, this movie is a part of her heart oh, yeah. in a way. Yeah. Um, and it's it's one of the reasons why it worked on me so well. Like it's it's uh, it's devastating. It's, it's too, absolutely devastating. It's too real, almost. Yes. Yeah. It's just a really tough thing. I mean, and it, it, it kind of hits you almost instantly too. Just there's there is something about, as I said uh, uh, over the phone with you, there is just something about the editing speed in this and how the cuts are somewhat unconventional, mm-hmm. and that it it's you know the, the movie doesn't cut away as soon as they their head hits the pillow to the next scene. It's like. The movie, if you've ever been like, like sitting with a thought, you'll just kind of like lay down and look up at the ceiling mm-hmm. and you'll just think about it and the scene, it'll kind of go on forever and you'll just ruminate on something that happened in the day, mm-hmm. you know, until finally you get over it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes the shots feel like that, where it just kind of sits with a character laying down and, and it kind of gives the audience time to deal with it mm-hmm. and to think about like, hmm. Yeah, what was that about? I think about the picture developing, the yeah. Polaroid picture that gets taken, and they hold on that picture forever. Ever. Yep. You know? Yep. Um, and it's 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 never boring. It's never no. not captivating. But um, yeah, it yeah, it, it almost feels like uh, yeah, it, it almost feels like Wells is. It's like she's not not. Not, it's either she can't grasp the truth or <laughs> well she she just doesn't she doesn't want to look at it doesn't want to look at can't, it she can't let that picture develop like yep. she wants yeah, to I keep know. that yeah. <laughs> picture a little hazy still you know yeah yeah and i mean that that's a perfect kind of allegory for the whole movie she wants to keep the picture kind of hazy but that's what the memory is right you know? yeah you know? uh god i don't i, I don't I don't have enough positive things to say about the movie because the whole movie is kind of that, mm-hmm. you know, just ruminations on similar ideas like that, that just kind of get more and more in focus. Cause that's the other thing. The movie structured in a way where it's like, you're kind of wondering like, why are we focusing on this memory to begin with? And then the tiniest little details sort of, uh, develop throughout. I, uh, by the way, the, 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 the detail of her sexuality was very interesting to me. Cause I remember watching it and thinking like, there's something about the way they're they're shooting the underwater scenes and the way they focus on the girls and right, not right, the guys. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, and uh, <laughs> as a as a guy who is is uh, generally attracted to women, yeah. as myself, sure. I was like, oh, cool. A you staunch know? record of heterosexuality yeah. yes, in the exactly. words of George Costanza. That's right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, you know, it didn't even occur to me. And then I and then when it, it was revealed that she was a lesbian, I was I I realized like. Oh, oh, that's why they did that. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah. That little touch like that. that yeah. You sort of dispose of it first. Right. But does actually mean something later on. Yep. I thought that was very, very clever. And the movie is actually filled with a lot of moments like that. Uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's real. It's real it's life. Too, that's, yeah. it's, it, you're, you're watching real life. You're watching two people that actually exist. You're watching a real father and a real daughter and the way that they talk to each other. And their camaraderie, their, their chemistry. Yeah, together. the way that they kind of cuddle and the way they kind of, they just like, sort of lay in bed together and the, the way, way they hug and it's just it's it's it is how I hug my parents you know yep. it's just it's I I totally I totally get it and you know the fact that he looks a little younger and is a, a young father and yeah. uh you know how the world kind of views him a lot of people at the hotel assume that he is the, the young lady's brother mm-hmm. um 
And also, like, I think the the unspoken trauma associated with being a father at that young of an age. Yeah. Um, but they don't hang on it too much. They don't. Well, they don't hang on anything because no. it's, it's told from her point of view. It's exactly. squarely told in her point of view, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, and everything of him by himself is imagined. Yeah. Yeah. You know, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's a God, that's a tricky thing to portray, too. It's like it, it's it's hard to imagine how a how a daughter or son uh, would think about the 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 struggles that a, that a parent goes through you know that that that's an impossible thing to consider yeah like when like when you are if you even like i'm we're not parents obviously <laughs> uh god help whatever those what happens to those kids someday if they ever uh end up here on this earth but um <laughs> you know if you spend time around kids like you imagine that you're fooling them mm. you know you imagine that whatever is going on inside the facade on the outside is enough protection yeah and it just ain't and no. it just ain't and kids can see it you know it, maybe they can't fully comprehend the depths of the despair oh no, no but they they see it they feel it and they feel it that's the big thing right yeah they feel it and this character feels it even if she can't 100 percent see it exactly and that's what the whole movie is about, it's about her trying to see it because <laughs> she did feel it yep. yeah and that's the crazy thing how do you do this this is the other thing like <laughs> How, it's a mirror. How do you movie. do this? It's so good. I, this, again, I, as I, I didn't have the same reaction to Avatar, where it's like, how <laughs> right. did they do it? No, I'm right. watching After Sun, this little fucking movie about this yeah. this girl just thinking about a, a, something that happened to her that was yeah. traumatizing. I've seen a billion Indian movies like this in right. a way, right. but I've never seen anything like this at the same time. Yeah. Like, how do you pull this off? Yeah. How, how do you how do you execute it so brilliant? Just the just the decision of like the imagined. Uh, uh, thing of her father going into the water and mm-hmm. potentially killing himself mm-hmm. where she's considering like maybe he thought about it and did that oh mm-hmm. uh, well he, or, she's, or she's, maybe, she's looking at it as like how did he end up naked in the in the bed like what what would that have looked like that too yeah yeah <laughs> that's always nuts. yeah right yeah it's, it's too good <laughs> i don't it's, how do you come to these decisions it's just so interesting again last one of the last times i felt this was watching in the mood for love yeah it's like I That's don't. That's high praise. Like, I don't fucking get it. That I don't high praise. I don't get it. Like what? At, ugh. Yeah, amazing. That's Adam's one word review. Put that on the poster. Ugh. Ugh. It's too good. It's just too good. Uh, yeah, that's after Sun. Uh, one more note I wanted to make. Uh, mm. The way to my heart is a good soundtrack. There's a song in this movie uh, called uh, "Road Rage" by a band called Catatonia from the '90s. listening to it on a loop yeah at the bare minimum if you have a good soundtrack i'm gonna listen to those songs and i'm gonna Mm. think about your movie every time i listen to the song (laughs) yeah and so uh it's an unbelievable playlist of 90s alt rock Uh it's so good yeah very very good great music (laughs) yep and and 
they fucking use under pressure in like a compelling way. One of the best uses of the song I've ever seen. Yeah, how'd they pull that off? That's another miracle on its own. That that, that sequence in particular is so crushing. Yes. God, the shot where it's it it goes from a, vi- a vision of her yelling at her father to a smiling younger version of herself as her dad falls down. Yep. Oh my god. It just it just it ruins your day. <laughs> <laughs> what my daughter used to be ah <laughs> or what i used to be really oh my god oh my god after sun so good great movie yeah that's it you want to read your top 10 one more time and yep. uh, i already did mine so no need to belabor the point yeah absolutely uh so my top 11 the great film good night oppie of course we can't forget <laughs> Shock. I mean, good night up. Talk about a dark horse. <laughs> talk about a, a Ross Perotian dark horse <laughs> to enter the top 11 this year. Fucking Oppie. Uh, I'm so happy it made it. That's funny. Uh, after that, number 10, Fire of Love. Number nine, Is That Black Enough for You? Watch that shit immediately. Will do. Uh, eight, Top Gun Maverick. Seven, The Cursed. Six, 3,000 Years of Longing. Five, The Fablemans. Four, Decision to Leave. Three, Bones and All. Two, All Quiet on the Western Front. And number one, After Sun. What were your runners up? Yeah, let's take a look. Just missed the cut. All right, so where should I go? I'll go from where do I stop like fucking loving the movies? Let me see. Oh, okay, so Cha Cha Real Smooth, number 24, X, uh, 23, 22, Pearl, then Marcel. Oh, right, right, okay, right around the same range there. Yeah, yeah, very close. Okay. Uh, 21, Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Favorite animated movie of the year for me. Mm, very good. My number 12. Yeah. 20, The Eternal Daughter. Yeah, I liked that one a lot. I was surprised. Really good. Very yeah. great, great mood, great atmosphere, incredible score. Yep. Wonderful performances. Really good score. Oh my God. That main theme was sick. Fair, ooh, chilling. Really good. Chilling, chilling. Uh, 19 is Senior. 18 is Scream. Wow. 18 Scream. Followed by number 17, after I rewatched it again, Prey. Okay. Prey's pretty high. Uh, and then we go at number 16, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Pretty good. Very good. I like that one a lot. Uh, I didn't love the music in that. No? Yeah, and it's Alexander Desplat, so yeah. uh, that's a it's a strange thing to say. But uh, I feel like if that movie isn't a musical, it's like a full star better for me. Oh, I see, I see, I see. Yeah, I, I found the music to kind of just be nothing. And oh. I, I, I found the musical sequences to kind of be wasting time. But the animation is very good, and there's a, a lot of really good voice performances, too. Ewan McGregor as the cricket is awesome. 15, Banshees of Inisherin. Uh, 14, Tar. 13, The Northman, which we didn't talk about much on 26 here. for me. Yeah, I love The Northman. Very good movie. Naked Fight in a Volcano. No, I can't. I can't How can you beat it? Well, you really can't, can you? Yeah, that's a, that's not as good as the naked fight in the volcano of fire of love, but it's the Northman great naked fight. <laughs> Pretty good movie. <laughs> uh, not your cup of tea, I would say. No, but really good, really, really uh, great feat that movie. And number twelve, just missed the cut. The Batman. Yeah, I had the Batman at 15. A movie that everybody fucking hates. What's yeah, everybody forgot about this one. Everyone hates about hates. There was a fucking sick Batman movie fucking, that came out this year. I loved it. Thank I, you. I loved it. Everyone everyone hates it. No, no, I have it's another one of those weird movies like 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 uh, The Last Jedi. It's like seems like everyone hates that movie. I don't what what what's going on? Yeah, I I think it's really solid. Yeah, me too. I think it's a really solid superhero movie in a year of not solid superhero movies. Yeah, I, I, I 
Yeah, by far the best in my opinion. Yeah, what are we talking? It's like what are we talking about, guys? Totally agree. I, I mentioned Barbarian and Marcel already. Uh, ambulance, I really tried. I got it all the way up to number thirteen. <laughs> Where the fuck is Ambulance? Because <laughs> you know me, I wasn't crazy about. <laughs> really tried. I think Michael Bay, as I said, Bay back. Bay is back. Bay is back. Uh, Fire Love ended up at fourteen for me. The Batman at fifteen. Armageddon Time. Did you end up seeing it? I did. We haven't gone over the movies that I have seen since last we spoke. Okay, well, hurry up because the listeners have a life. And I'm they, need saying, to, they need to go home. Please keep listening, guys. All right, I'll just run down the list. Since, since last we spoke, uh, here we go. <gasps> Senior, Watcher, Speak No Evil, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, The Menu, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Just missed the cut, by the way. Uh, <laughs> Where did it end up? <laughs> Where did it end up? I like Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Hold on a second. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is... 69. Not bad. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Nice. Very sexy movie. That's Sonic the Hedgehog, too. All right. Um, Decision to leave. Emily the Criminal. Avatar the Way of Water. Emily the Criminal came in 30 for me. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, it was pretty good. Solid. I liked it. Avatar the Way of Water. It's like number like 26 or something. 19 for me. I like that movie. I liked it. Better than the original. I've decided. No. Yeah. No. Sorry. That fucking whale, dude. Sorry. Yeah, not not good enough. Mm-hmm. No. It's not. about family, bro. It's about, it's about family. Salute me, familia. Let's all these stick together. Oh, good God. Uh, Triangle of Sadness, Retrograde, After Sun, Smile, uh, Armageddon Time, The Woman King. Is that black enough for you? Inside the Mind of a Cat. Good night, Oppie. Uh, inside the Mind of a Cat. <laughs> yeah, you'd like it. You'd like it. I mean, I feel like I often live inside the mind of a cat. Not until you've seen this documentary. <laughs> okay, I need to know what the meaning is. Hold on. Babylon. Uh, yeah, I almost wish we could talk about Babylon, but we don't have time. Uh, Let's. No, wait. Fuck it. We're three and a half hours in. Who gives a shit? I- the other ones I saw, nothing compares the Sinead O'Connor documentary. Uh, yeah. Pretty good. Yeah, she didn't write that song. I don't know why that's the name of it. Yeah, I don't- <laughs> <laughs> the Whale, Nanny, and You Won't Be Alone, the Volcano Rescue movie, The Outfit, Eternal daughter invitation glass onion yeah you get the picture yeah uh, babylon 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 it's gonna kill movies cinema is about to die uh, well we were, we're off thank to- you damien chazelle yeah, we for do- killing movies we we're doing great with fucking top gun and he came Woo! In and just- at least we're gonna party on the way out oh my god shot in the fucking head like great here we go um, pronounced dead on scene uh, babylon oh i love the swing adam i love the swing i do too but i'm not I- sure he made contact here not sure it worked. I love The Swing, as a matter of fact. So fun. I don't think it's a bad movie. I also don't think it's a bad movie. Oh, uh, but God. I think it's pretty solid, actually. Yeah, no, I thought it was good. I, I think it was, it's pretty good. I thought it was good. Mm. Yeah, yeah. It is the longest movie I've ever seen in so my life. So long. It's the Holy longest three hours of all time. Shit, this movie's long. It's so long. I've never, I've never, no, I'm not kidding. Like, I've seen, like, Kenneth Branagh's Hamlet does feel shorter to me. Yeah. I'm not even kidding. It's the longest feeling movie I've ever experienced. Yeah. I, I, I was like, okay, we must be two and a half hours into this movie. And I checked my phone <laughs> and we were only halfway through. Mm. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, I got to sit through another hour and a half of this. It's the same scene. Every scene is the same scene. <laughs> With the exception of the sound check scene. Unbelievable scene. <laughs> Just that that's Chazelle at the top. Of <laughs> like, game. oh my god. Yeah, no, like yeah, there are like three short films in this that fucking rule. You yes, know what I mean? I like and I also think like the first movie making scene in the middle of the desert is it's just like oh, oh it's spectacular oh, oh it's just like like your heart palpitation yeah I mean that's something that only Chazelle can do and also there's like a little bit of like starry eyed magic of the movie shit in there and but like just enough of it not as heavy handed yeah. as it is at the end of the movie mm-hmm. um 
like those scenes just work and there are moments that i think are absolutely electric oh me too Uh, and there are some performances that i think are electric i think diego calva steals this fucking thing he is awesome in it way too good i i would it's you know margot robbie's fine but i actually think she's trying too hard to get like an award she's fine yeah nothing like some people are saying it's it's the best performance of the year i'm like no No. guys no 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 no. absolutely not uh but she's good she's good brad pitt's okay um gets the job done yeah, yeah, it gets the job done. Yeah, the problem is I find right. a lot of these characters to be kind of undercooked, which is weird because yeah, it's no, a three-hour movie. Like, the relationship between Margot and Diego, for example, uh, it, it it ends up like... So they begin as sort of friends at the beginning, and then they become peers, and then he becomes her boss. Yeah. And, like, none of that transformation happens naturally. It's all very no. sudden, and it's like, oh, I'm... I didn't know that there was this dimension of the relationship by the time we get to the most crucial scenes in the movie. Yeah, because we never have a breath, you know? It's, right. It's just nonstop. And it's so crazy that the movie is as fast-paced as it is, but it is... God, it takes forever to finish up. Right. It, it, maybe that's just the repetitive nature of it. And But also, I think you're right in that it's like, I never feel like I completely get my footing in any character besides uh, Diego's character. Right. And that's really it. But even him, because there's so much of the movie devoted to the other's characters, and when we're with the other characters, not, we're not really getting anywhere. Mm-hmm. That was the other issue. It's like, it's just, I know this... This character is just a degenerate piece of shit, mm-hmm. and they're just doing more degenerate piece of shit stuff. I'm not really learning much new about them. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a funny scene, like like where the scene where fucking Margot Robbie's puking all over the place. Yeah, it's but, fine. But like, it's it, fine. I, yeah, but see, again, that scene is like, it's like I get it. That's I, Chazelle being like, "You guys thought I was a pussy or whatever. Like, you shove shove me in a locker. Well, look what I can do now. I can make the hottest actress on the world projectile vomit." On the carpet, and oh, I'm gonna make an elephant shit on the like. I have I have such a hard edge, and uh, I didn't buy it. It is clearly, to me at least, born out of the response to La La Land, which is a movie that did very well at the box office and won him an Oscar. Yes, he won Best Director that year. Like there is no greater sign of of. Uh, of approval from the industry than the response that he got for La La Land. But for some reason there, I, I think maybe I the loudest critics were the ones that lived in his head rent free for I, seven years. Well, it just shows how I guess insecure it was. Cause I completely agree with you. I was like, this is just so a, a, a trying to like a, strangely a comeback from La La Land. What does that even yeah, mean? Right. Okay, you need a comeback from La La Land. Right. Listeners, yeah, but like, we need guys. To, yes. La La Land's great. I'm not letting people rewrite the history on La La Land. All right, I, I think the Moonlight thing. They're really trying, in particular by the, way. the the Moonlight moment, specifically how that moment went. I think it framed those two movies as uh, the opposite end of the dichotomy. Yes. Right, like these are two complete extremes. This is. Hollywood at its worst and this is Hollywood at its best yeah. and I think people are like laughing at La La Land yes. that's what it feels like and I mean yeah. that's how that award show ends that, it, yes <laughs> it's a joke it's yes. a punchline right it is it's one of the great award show moments ever but I yeah I think it's sort of it it makes La La Land Apollo Creed and it makes Moonlight Rocky and that's that's not what that movie is I mean that movie is a sign of a of a budding auteur like a like a serious player. I mean, obviously that was one of the first scripts that he wrote. Mm-hmm. I, I think, you know, had he written it now, it would look a little different. And I think it, it, there's a there's a immaturity maybe and a a, a sort of a, a rose colored glasses element to that movie that I yeah. don't think would exist in his movies now. But 
I mean, I don't know. When directors are young, they're idealistic, and that's what that movie is. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that, guys. That's yeah. fine. But also, again, we have to remember, I mean, this is what I was saying earlier about like what the identity crisis of the 2010s and what happened in the second half of the year, how it's like people just became so confused and cynical at the same time where <laughs> they didn't really know what they wanted, but they certainly didn't want more Hollywood bullshit. Yes. So therefore, La La Land sucks. This isn't even fucking La La Land. It's not just Hollywood bullshit, no. too. Like, the ending of that movie... It's pretty fucking deep, yeah, it's, dude. It's hard. Yeah, and that's a movie about like abandoning the people that you love in pursuit of these passions that are greater than you. And, and by the way, that's another bit of revisionist history because I remember when that came out, people were aware of that. They're like, God, what a sad ending. I was disappointed yeah, that they didn't get together. That ending is a bummer. And, that and, ending is a bummer. And all of a sudden people are acting like it's about how great and wonderful fucking Hollywood yes, is. It's exactly. Like, no, exactly. it's not. Yeah. You guys are forgetting your own reaction to the movie. But uh, you can just feel Chazelle. He's reading the reviews over and over in his head. And he's like, I'm going to show them. And I'm going to give you, you know, the most depraved, scatological, um, you know, uh, 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 like hard R rated movie ever made. And even the provocative stuff, even the explicit stuff, even the nudity, even the shitting, like it never feels dangerous. It's not a dangerous feeling movie. No, it's a trade. No, I, I hate to say it. I, I think Jabril said this one time, like before you and I had, had seen the movie. Uh, it was a, a couple months ago, and he said it's just feels like it's just trying a little too hard. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I was like, "Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. I, I, I'd like to but believe." That, and and like to a certain to, extent, though, that that's kind of Chazelle's appeal, though. Sure. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Has to try hard. He's just the kid, the the the, yeah. the wonder kid that could. You know. Yes. You know. That's right. that's sort of the idea. But like, I never felt an attachment to anything in the movie. So therefore, how could it feel dangerous if I have nothing to feel dangerous for? You know. Right. Yeah. Or some, there's something that for me to feel fearful for. Yeah. There's one character. I, I won't give away what happens, but there's there's a one character meets his end. His or her, but yeah, uh, <laughs> that was yeah. oh, Freudian slip. Meets his end at, uh, I think, in a very predictable fashion. It's extremely predictable. And when he gets to it, it's I, it just meant, it meant nothing to me. Yes, I know. And it it felt inevitable in a way that really annoyed me. And we'd been there for two and a half hours. Yeah, and I'm just like, yep, yeah. yep. Right. I know. Yeah. So how can I really feel a sense of danger when I, I I don't care when these characters die? All the characters, though, that that meet an end. It's like, yeah, I knew that was I know. I know. It's mm-hmm. hell. You deserved it. Go ahead. It's, it's stuff like that. Mm-hmm. You didn't really deserve it. But it's like, I know. I know that's what the movie wants for you mm-hmm. <laughs> for in order to make us potentially feel something. But I, I didn't. Yeah. I don't know. I agree. It's 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 upsetting. I I. The trailers had me somewhat concerned because, again, it also did make me think, like, this movie's going to really go for it in a way that might not gel with anybody, I can tell. But maybe that swing will be interesting. And I do think it's an interesting swing. And I do think it's... Here's the thing. It's still a hell of a movie. It's still Damon Chazelle directing his fucking ass off. Right. Uh, and, it, yeah, I mean, he's no shortage of talent on display here from a directorial standpoint. Mm-hmm. And, you know, from, even from a screenwriting standpoint, there's a lot of great, great gags in this movie. Where it's like, oh, my God, just like... Snappy stuff every every second. Like you should you should direct like a remake of a of a Howard Hawks movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, could you imagine his version of uh, his girl Friday? His girl Friday. Yeah. Oof. Sick. That'd be fucking dope. Yeah. That'd be a good movie. Yeah. That'd be a good movie. Yeah. Uh, but like, uh, I don't know. I feel you. I feel you. Try less. That last ten minutes though. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my fucking god. Can you believe we waited twelve years, dude? <laughs> 
Waited 12 years for the Navi to return to screen, and it happened twice. <laughs> he sat down with James month. Cameron, and he's like, so James, I got an idea. Oh, no, no, excuse me, Jim. Yeah, Jim, big Jim. Got an idea for you. Yeah. <laughs> Holy shit, I couldn't believe what I was watching. <laughs> so when that montage started, like, were you, like, guessing in your head what movies were going to come? Because that's what I started doing. I was sitting there, and I was like, okay, how far are we going to go here? Because we go through Wizard of Oz... Um, I think uh, there were some silent movies in there. Uh, I think Metropolis was was shown in that montage. Yes, it was. And then I'm like, all right, we're gonna go through the '60s and the '70s or whatever. Are we really gonna go all the way to like the 2000s? And I'm thinking to myself, okay, Matrix is definitely popping up, and it does. Uh, I actually thought Jurassic Park too would pop up. Wow, but it did. Didn't see T2 coming. No, me neither. And. God, did I not see Avatar? <laughs> Holy shit. That was the funniest. Holy shit. My, 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 my mouth hit the floor. I could, I was, literally. Yeah. I, I was, I was, it's the most shocking thing in the movie. It's shocking. <laughs> it's way more shocking than any of the depravity that happens. Yes, yeah. I agree. Completely agree. Uh, it's more shocking than anything in Caligula, you know? <laughs> what a flex. What a flex. What a flex. Kind of into it, though. Uh, it's, it's, it's a, a, you're never going to see anything else like that. Yeah, kind of fucking rules. For a dude. while. A uh, hell of an ending. I don't fully believe it in, mm. in like what it's saying. I'm like, uh, you know, again, I kind of go back to the movie is the thing. But, right. But whatever. Yeah. Uh, your, your 20 movies are fucked up, but uh, how does that relate to, you know, the, the, the how does that DNA exist in Avatar? <laughs> I don't know. Babylon. <laughs> it's a movie. Yeah. It's a movie. Hopefully we're talking about it around award season. Hopefully Babylon just crashes the party. You know what I mean? <laughs> In ba- true Babylon fashion. Yeah, I just want them to show up at the award shows and just it just cause chaos. You know? Let's get the best picture campaign going. No, let's get the cast and crew coming, coming in riding on the back of an elephant. Yeah, let's just uh, do it. I, I hope they just, you know... Uh, uh, RRR missed my cut. Yeah, I wanted to try to put it higher. It's it's really good, but oh boy, what a movie! That's another one. Where it's like Jesus, what a fucking movie. Yeah, I mean, I am not a uh, scholar of uh, Bollywood, and I guess Tollywood is is the actual mm-hmm. subgenre here. Mm-hmm. Indian cinema just has failed to really make an impact stateside. I mean, there are just not many. Uh, canonical Indian movies in American culture. It's but that, that's it's not even just like American. They're they're they struggle around the world. Yeah, they're very specific to them. Very specific. Yeah. Uh, it's it's again a miracle that this movie like took off on Netflix. Couldn't, oh my god, it, yeah. it's it's crazy. I don't know what it is about this movie in particular. Uh, but I had a great time with it. Like every every, every shot, the director <laughs> thinks to himself, "How can I make this more cinematic?" You yep. know, and that's that's kind of the charm of the movie. Um, let's see. My number 20 was after Yang, uh, which I liked quite a bit. Really loved that depiction of, a of a, of a dystopian future, kind of dystopian, not really. Uh, I have a 22 here, uh, an Iranian movie, uh, Panah Panahi, who is oh. the son of, uh, Jafar Panahi, who is, a uh, I believe currently imprisoned in Iran because of their heavy censorship laws. He made a movie called Hit the Road. Oh, how was that? Popped up on Obama's list. Yeah. Uh, super fun. The kid is uh, is is so fucking adorable. Um, it's a road trip movie that becomes a little bit more at the end and becomes a kind of overtly political statement. Uh, 
and uh, yeah, the 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 impending sense of doom that that movie gives you uh, underneath a, a pretty like charming family romp is uh, is is uh, very moving. Sweet, liked it a lot. Uh, Everything everywhere all at once. You and I, I think we're both kind of muted on it compared to the consensus, but I I still want to acknowledge that. Yeah. There's a lot of inventive stuff happening in that movie. Yeah, very good movie. Uh, and uh, Kimmy. Uh, Kimmy, yeah, I really like Kimmy. Soderbergh's Kimmy. I, one of the better uh, Soderbergh movies. I think the pandemic movie. Yeah, that's true. In the way that like the first 15 minutes of Glass Onion feels so cringe and forced. Isn't that crazy? Like we just went through the pandemic and already we're seeing things that feel dated with it. Yes. Like that felt fucking dated. Felt dated. Totally. Yeah. And what Kimmy does is... Uh, is make it feel uh, vital and, yeah. uh, and um, yeah. part of the claustrophobic nature of the movie. Yeah, it works very well. Right. Well, exactly. It uses it to its advantage. It serves a storytelling purpose yeah, yeah. wearing glass onion. It's yeah. just, oh, I'm so modern. <laughs> yep. Yeah, glass onion. Yeah. I'm not crazy about it. All right. Happy New Year, Adam. Yep. Happy New Year. I don't got a quote. Just Happy New Year. Thank you for we listening. We love movies. We love them. We, we love them. I, I don't want to do 100 movies next year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy for you to beat that if, you, if you'd like. I'm going to try to beat the high score now. I'm at the arcade <laughs> trying, to, trying to get just a couple points higher on Mrs. Pac-Man. Oh, my God. Ugh. Here's to 2023. Let's make it a good year. Here we go. Love you guys. Yeah, We'll see you soon. 